Let's get it. Hop off a 16 passenger. This a G5. No, this not a challenger. Big one. I keep some members with me in the fridge. Get coat seats. They some cannibals. Eaters. They like the geek geek. Drink a whole bottle. Wake up and repeat. Damn. She took a look. Mixed it with the chill out. Now she say she said 3D. Wow. I go in the jungle and ain't got a coat. I bet I come out with a me. I bet I do this shit for the fam. Cause this shit bigger than me. Color stones in my infinity link And in the factory masterpiece I call on twin, could that be my brother? We got the same roller, he matching me Nah, for real Water on me, like the sun of sun Carrot, sun, pointers, all these guns Alright, let's get started here Saturday, July 23rd, 2022 BK here, coming at you guys from San Diego, California America's finest city, spectacular day outside Please follow me on social media. Check out that Twitter for breaking news throughout the week at Bravo Kilo Actual. And follow me on Instagram at BK Actual as we get started here, 12 19 p.m. on that Saturday. Hey guys, one quick announcement. Uh, you guys know I don't accept any ads, paid ads on these uh, podcasts, have, have never and will never, hopefully, which is why you gotta go to patreon.com and search for BK Actual. However, I have always made an exception if you guys send me a product, especially you veterans with your small businesses, to check out and ask me to publicize it for you. Of course, I'm gonna do that. So I had another one this week. Uh, my man Jake is a veteran and he is a small business uh, furnishing grass fed, grass finished beef. Important distinction there. Two, Everyone around the world, like me, he's pretty passionate about the things we put in our bodies. And if you guys are trying to get away from that, you know, the grain lots and all that shitty beef out there, uh, that this is the way to go. I, I've been eating a lot of bison and elk and stuff like that. I do like beef, of course. And this is all grass finished, which means that they don't sneak in a bunch of grain at the end of the cow's life, which a lot of so-called claimed grass-fed dealers do. Uh, but if you want to check out Jake's stuff, uh, you can go to jakesteaks.com, and he insists that you DM him, I know, scary, right, on Instagram, uh, place an order, and if uh, you guys want to check it out, that's at jakeryan960, and uh, get all kinds of goodness through him. Again, support your local veteran small businesses, like I always try to do. With that being said, let's go ahead and get into it, you guys, and start with Iraq. That's right, our old friends. Well, Turkish artillery struck a vacation resort in northern Iraq this week on Wednesday. That killed at least eight people and injured more than 23. For you all who know the country, the attack took place in Parak. That is a village in Dohuk province. Or Dohuk, as some people call it. I'm not exactly sure the proper pronunciation. We would say Dohuk, but it always sounded wrong to me. I don't know. But yeah, that was four strikes, by the way. And that, if you're looking at a map, is in that Kurdish region near the Turkish border. You guys know Turkey's armed forces regularly launch strikes into northern Iraq to target Kurdish militants who take refuge there. So most of the time, those attacks are directed at training camps operated by the Kurdish Workers' Party, otherwise known as the PKK. Those are the guys who've been engaged in a long-running guerrilla war in southeastern Turkey. And Iraq's Prime Minister, Mustafa al-Kadimi, seems to think there's no doubt who's behind this. He said in a statement posted to Twitter hours after the attack, quote, Once again, the Turkish forces committed an explicit and blatant violation of the sovereignty of Iraq and the lives and security of Iraq citizens. 
This brutal attack underscored the fact that Turkey ignored Iraq's continuous demands to refrain from military violation against Iraqi territory and the lives of its people, end quote. And he's saying that they have the full right to respond, does Iraq. Uh, and as you might expect, Turkey's foreign minister says, nah, nah, this is a, uh, this is a, a false flag. The attack has actually been carried out by the PKK. And they vow to pursue the truth. The uh, hook, and I've been in the area before, caters to a lot of Iraqis because it's in the northern part. It's in the uh, mountains. You actually have snow up there. And so it's kind of a you know vacation spot to get away from that brutal Iraqi heat, especially during the summertime. Now, a little bit more about the PKK. They have been waging a separatist campaign against the Turkish government in Ankara since the 1970s. That conflict has killed more than 40,000 people, most of them inside Turkey. And the PKK, notably, is regarded as a terrorist group by the United States and Europe. Uh, They are monitoring the situation, is the State Department. So what happens is a lot of these PKK fighters and much of the group's leadership take refuge in the mountains where the borders of Iraq, Iran, and Turkey meet. While that fighting inside Turkey has diminished slightly, the Turkish military has continued to cross into Iraq to strike PKK targets. Iraqi leaders, for their part, do not formally give sanctuary to PKK fighters, uh, but they really don't take any action against them. Last April, Turkey began an offensive called Operation Claw Lock in northern Iraq. And Turkish officials defend these types of operations by invoking Article 51 of the United Nations Charter, which recognizes a state's, quote, inherent right of individual or collective self-defense, end quote. And that means they don't have to seek approval from any other government, particularly Iraq's, in their eyes at least. Now, those airstrikes came as, and they they are calling them airstrikes. Uh, Oh, here we go. There's a correction. Right when I was about to say that, I scanned down the bottom. There is a correction. They misstated the type of attack. It is not... Airstrikes. They were not warplanes. The strikes were from artillery. Okay, very good. And these came as President Recep Tayyip Erdogan of Turkey responded to criticism of his decision to launch a new military offensive against Kurdish fighters in Syria. He's saying that that operation was part of an effort to keep Turkey's border with Syria secure from those Kurdish militants and to create a safe zone for some of those millions of Syrian refugees who have fled the civil war in their country over the recent years. All right. Good old Iraq. Never out of the news, are they? Now, (laughs) you know, you never look at the news and you're like, I bet bet Iraq is peaceful today. No, it's not. Okay, let's go to Africa, where there was an attack on a military camp really close to the capital of, of the nation of Mali. And this is significant. They usually don't strike this close. But yes, insurgents did mount a raid and gunfire broke out before dawn at the military camp, which is 10 miles north of the capital of Mali, Bamako. Two assailants were killed, the armed forces said in a statement. And they went on to say this case... um, involved two booby-trapped vehicles full of explosives. 
And there were plenty of videos of gunshots and explosions on Malian social media. I know you guys are up on that. And the statement from the armed forces says the situation is now under control. Background on Mali, it is a West African country in which a military junta has ruled since carrying out two successive coups in 2020 and 2021. If you guys have been listening to the podcast, of course you know all about that. Mali's government, uh, remember, had that recent fallout with their longtime military France and is now turning to Russian mercenaries to help fight those armed insurgents. That armed insurgency is Islamist in nature. It's been going on for over a decade. A rebel coalition toppled the country's government in March of 2012, and then armed Islamists took over Mali's northern cities. And both groups were using weapons that came from Libya, who themselves have been thrown into chaos by a 2011 civil war. So then the French troops came in and the UN peacekeeping force. So then the militants kind of scattered and spread all across the country. And they destabilized that huge area called the Sahel region. That is the region south of the Sahara. I mean, this has like been going on forever in neighboring Burkina Faso to the south. Nearly 2 million people have been displaced as a consequence of that conflict. And it's funny because I've often said the uh, mocked this a little bit that the Malian and French troops eventually pushed the insurgents out of Mali cities. And then recently the falling out was the Malians are like, okay, well you helped us out. Now we don't want you here anymore and whatever. So the French were like, okay, we're out. Can't say I blame them. So the, I mentioned a couple coups just for you guys who have not been listening. Biggest mistake of your life. The uh, first coup ousted then-President Ibrahim Boubacar Kaita, and that was in 2020. And then the second coup followed in May of 2021, and after the new military junta that took place after that second coup refused to organize democratic elections, the economic community of West African states imposed sanctions. That further crippled the country, uh, country's economy. Etc. Etc. So uh, the violence seems to be ratcheting up, and that wasn't the only camp. On Thursday, assailants carried out what they call a complex and simultaneous raid, targeting another camp, various military outposts and personnel in six different locations across Mali. All of those attacks were contained, according to the Malian military. And there are still are apparently some French troops there, but they used to have 5,000 of them. But they've been packing up the bases there and going away. They're moving the bulk of their operations across the border into Niger. The last French soldiers are expected to leave their biggest base in Gao, G-A-O, a city in northern Mali in mid-August. That's funny, man. Because France was Malian's, uh, Mali's former colonial power. And the criticism escalated quickly because they don't have any short memories. They fucking forget all the times they were being blown to pieces by insurgents and ran and cried to the French to do something, which they did. But now all the activists are involved. You know, they don't want them there. And uh, withdrawal and the fact that they're leaving is very popular in Mali. So, okay, fucking you figure it out then, <laughs> which is what they should have let them do in the first place. Yeah, they, they actually they actually called France an occupying force. And they also called the UN peacekeeping mission that as well. So, okay, good luck then to you.
I've been talking about the Sri Lankan uprising. And security forces yesterday on Friday raided the protest camp at the heart of the uprising that toppled Sri Lanka's president. You guys remember, he has resigned. They fucking busted down tents and uh, cordoned off large stretches of the area in a pre-dawn raid. And the protesters were sleeping. They were caught by surprise. But hundreds of police and army personnel closed off the roads leading to that protest site. And they started detaining protesters. Now, the activists and protest organizers ex- uh, expressed shock. They said that they had already announced that they would vacate the area by midday Friday and hand everything back to the authorities. So this raid comes one day after Sri Lanka swore in that new president. I mentioned him last week. That is the guy with the brutal name, Ranil Wickramesinghe. And he is to place the president who was ousted. That would be Gatabaya Rajapaksa. So yeah, he fucking took off and then he later resigned. And just as a quick recap, you guys remember the Rajapaksa family has dominated Sri Lankan politics for years. And uh, Berber is basically accusing them of running the economy into the ground. And Sri Lanka, 22 million people. They've had shortages of fuel, fuel, food, and medicine. Uh, Not much help from the IMF lately. So it, it does seem hopefully that they're starting to take control over there because, you know, people were killed in this. But the first thing they want to do is ensure a steady supply of fuel and food. You guys have been paying attention. This is all on social media. You saw all the fucking riots over fuel because they couldn't even, they couldn't get gas and they couldn't get fuel. Uh, since the crisis began, there have been 17 deaths in fuel lines. There were two just yesterday. So hopefully they'll get it together over there. Let's go to South Korea. And yes, uh, they are now calling is the South Korean new president for criminal investigation of the past government. This kind of happened over some photos. Newly released photos of two North Korean men being deported under Mu Jae-in, that is the previous president, have revived accusations of a potential, quote, crime against humanity, end quote. But yeah, these were basically uh, North Korean fishermen, and there was video footage and um, photos published about these guys being taken against their will to the border, and I guess it was pretty bad. I have not seen the footage, but one of the fishermen was so resistant to being deported to him, they had to actually drag him over there. The other guy seemed kind of like, okay, well, I guess this is going to happen. This is uh, video footage and 10 photos. It was taken in 2019. Now, at the time, the South Korean government called these men murderers who had killed 16 fellow North Korean fishermen. The men did acknowledge the killings, but they did say they wanted to defect. But despite the killings, the case did trigger outrage even back then because it was the first time South Korea had rejected a North Korean request to defect and force someone back across the border unwillingly. So now, the new conservative government of the new guy, President Yoon Suk-yeol, has revived the issue and is accusing his predecessor of violating human rights. 
You may ask about all the murders. Well, they are taking the stand that, uh, you know, you, you can't, we're not in the business of returning North Koreans to their death. Anything they might have done should have been dealt with in South Korea's legal system. You know, this isn't the first time it's happened. The new guy criticizing the old guy or accusing him of something. Uh, previous leaders have often been ensnared by investigations after leaving office. Of the four former presidents who have governed the country in the past two decades, one, Ru, I'm sorry, Ro Mu Hyun, he killed himself while being investigated for possible corruption. And then two others, Lee Myung-bak and Park Gyun-hai, ended up in prison for corruption. So now a group of lawyers are asking prosecutors to investigate Mr. Moon for murder. So if the prosecutors act on this, Moon will become the latest of the ex-presidents to face a criminal inquiry in South Korea. Huh. Uh, now, Moon is fighting back. They are accusing Mr. Moon, who, by the way, served as prosecutor, the head prosecutor, they call it the prosecutor general over there, under Moon. And they're accusing him of revisiting the case to distract from the new president's falling approval ratings. Yeah, hardcore politics, man. Let's see where that goes. Let's go. You know, I've resisted covering this, but <laughs> a few statements in this story grabbed my eye. So, yes, let's talk about monkeypox. And, yes, you guys, by the way, before I even get into it, yes, I did receive the many messages you sent me of the guy on Twitter who's like apparently some gay guy who likes to be gang-banged and pissed on and all that, who said he now has monkey pox. And you, and you guys said, like, yeah, dude, check out this guy's Twitter. And I sadly did, and I looked at his pinned tweet, and it was everything I thought it would be. Yeah, you know, leather harness of some kind being tied down and violated by many dudes. So I, I looked away as fast as I could, but I'm still scarred for life. So thank you. I want to thank my listeners for making sure I knew that very, very important information about that. And no, I'm not going to tell his Twitter handle. But uh, ugh, what a country America is. That wasn't America. But let's get back to the monkey pox. The WHO World Health Organization has spread, uh, has, has now declared monkey pox a global health emergency. There have been more than 16,000 cases in 75 countries, overwhelmingly among men who, yes, have sex with men. So this is the second time in two years the WHO has declared a global emergency. Everybody knows the first one, coronavirus. But I thought it was funny that the WHO's director general, that would be Dr. Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus, he's the head honcho. He overruled a panel of advisors who could not come to a consensus, and he went and did it. He declared a, quote, public health emergency of international concern, end quote. That is a designation the WHO currently uses to describe two, only two other diseases. One, COVID-19. Two, polio. So this signals a public health risk requiring a coordinated international response. Uh, so the designation can lead member countries to invest significant resources in controlling an outbreak, get more funding, blah, blah, blah. So this is the seventh public health emergency since 2007. Uh, a lot of global health experts are criticizing this. Uh, the WHO's advisors just in June concluded that while monkeypox is a growing threat, it was not yet an international emergency. 
The panel could not reach a decision, so then Tedros went ahead and fucking just said, yeah. And yes, the New York Times writes, nearly all of the infections outside Africa have occurred among men who have sex with men. Um, yeah, and the LGBT community is up in arms because they're like, well, we have, to, uh, we have to give this immediate attention because of what happened with the AIDS outbreak, the HIV outbreak. By the way, on Saturday, the U.S. has recorded at least 3,000 cases. The real toll is thought to be much higher. Um, and the WHO advisors actually said in that June meeting they did not recommend an emergency declaration in part because the disease had not moved out of the primary risk group. Again, who is men who have sex with men. Doesn't affect children, doesn't affect older adults, does not affect pregnant women. Now, they're still assessing the routes of transmission. The virus is spreading primarily through close contact, but they're not sure what it is. Like, is this droplets? Is it fucking saliva? Is it semen? They're just not sure. And I just thought it was funny because it's like, it, <laughs> I read some, I'm not going to take credit for this. It is funny. You remember during COVID, you know, we were at, you know, all, all, all these little kids are asked to fucking be tortured by Zoom school and wear masks in the classroom if they could go, right? And we were, we forced our kids to do all that. And now we have a fucking outbreak of a disease that is almost entirely spread by, again, this is New York Times, this is not some tabloid article, these are facts, spread by dudes banging each other. So it's like, I just thought it ironic that we ask so much sacrifice from our young babies and children and preschoolers. Uh, can we ask the fucking gay guys to maybe stop having the gangbang? I don't know. I know that's a lot to ask, guys. Yeah, I know. I know you want to go down to the warehouse or wherever you're going to go. And just like that pig boy guy. Oops, I fucked up and said his name on Twitter. You want to go and get pissed on and bored out and fucking grab some shafts. I get it. I mean, who doesn't want to do that, right? <laughs> but can we ask you, maybe in the face of an outbreak that affects you, I'm just saying, maybe avoiding the gangbang, avoid all of the various fluids one can find at the gangbang, and just take a break. I don't know. Stay home. Watch a little porn. Get your mind right. Maybe take just an abstinence break, you know? No fap, right? Just uh, take it easy. Avoid the crowds just for a few weeks. I'm not asking you to do it forever, guys, but I uh, might want to consider that. Let's go to Brazil. Yeah, another one of these stories. I Periodically, one of these stories where cops kill masses amounts of people in the, British, in the uh, Brazilian favelas pops up, and we got another one. Police in Brazil say 19 people have been killed during a raid against a criminal gang that controls one of Rio de Janeiro's most violent favelas. 400 heavily armed military police raided this Alamo favela in the early hours of Thursday. I don't remember how to pronounce that in Brazilian. It's A-L-E-M, and then the A has that little squiggly over it, and then O. One of you guys uh, enlighten me in the DMs. 16 of the dead were suspected criminals, but they also uh, killed a, ba a bystander and a police officer was also killed. The operation lasted all day, left thousands trapped in their homes. The objective of the raid was to locate and arrest criminals who were planning 
operations in rival slums. Some of the targets were wearing uniforms similar to military police, which made them harder to spot. The 400 cops also had 10 armored vehicles and four helicopters on this. Yeah, and the police in Brazil, again, according to human rights people, the human rights people say, that, hey, the cops don't come in here to arrest. They come in here to smoke dudes. But, um, you know, that's the way they do it. And, you know, you guys have seen pictures of the favelas. Just fucking tactical nightmare. I mean, you know, you guys, you guys all played Call of Duty where you go into the favela or just, you know, look at Google Maps. I mean, imagine what you'd have to do to navigate one of those favelas. It's it's just completely insane. Just weird ass stairwells going to nowhere and secret little side streets and alleys and there's multi level buildings and it's all ramshackle, random windows. Total fucking nightmare. Okay, let's go to where is this again? Jakarta. Yeah, let's go to Jakarta where a fuel truck plowed into a group of motorcyclists. Jakarta's in Indonesia, by the way. It killed at least 25 people. You know, it was one of those big tanker trucks carrying fuel. It smashed into a dozen motorcycles and other vehicles on a busy intersection near the capital. In addition to 25 dead, dozens are injured. You guys have seen those crazy traffic circles and shit and intersections around like the third world countries, you know, with like 10 billion little mopeds and shit. So <clears throat> they say this uh, truck just freaking sped right into it. Maybe just brakes failed or something. And they had people crushed under the fuel tanker, uh, everything else. We don't know the cause of the collision yet. But locals have hit out at authorities for installing a new traffic light at the it's a T intersection. And it had been reported that the motorcyclists were stopped at the red light when the truck collided with them. Maybe he didn't know the light was there. It used to just be like whatever. I'm not sure. All right. Let's go to Japan. And yes, I did take the week off when the Jap former Japanese uh, PM was assassinated to be Shinzo Abe. Sadly, I missed that week, but... There's a little bit of an update here. Let's talk about the man accused of killing him with the homemade weapon. His name is Tetsuya Yamagami, and he sent a letter saying that the Unification Church had ruined his life, and they think this was kind of a, uh, a bit of a motive. He's saying his mother's huge donations to that church bankrupted his family. Apparently, he's not the only one that thinks that in Japan. But let's get into this unification church. Again, this guy said destroyed his family, drove it into bankruptcy, and uh, he also uh, said in a letter to a blogger who covered the church at one point, quote, it's no exaggeration to say that my experience with it, the church, during that time continues to distort my whole life, end quote. The Japanese police have confirmed that he did send that letter. So now Yamagami has been charged with murder. He said he was angry at a, quote, certain group, end quote, and decided to target Mr. Abe. 
Now, the authorities didn't say specifically it was Unification Church, but a Unification Church spokesman said that Yamagami was most likely referring to them. It's still unclear why Yamagami then fucking shot Abe. But this has kind of put more scrutiny on this church. Uh, This church is a big one in Japan. It's got global, political, and business ambition. And they've had a lot of legal battles with families who say that they had been impoverished by large donations. Well, (laughs) dude, (laughs) I don't don't know what to tell you. Why would you give tons and tons of money to a church or anything, really? A a crypto account, uh, a politician. I don't know why you would do any of that. I don't know. What do you hate money? You hate your money that much? In one judgment from 2016, a Tokyo civil court awarded more than $270,000 in damages to the former husband of a church member after she donated his inheritance, salary, and retirement funds to the group to, quote, save, end quote, him and his ancestors from damnation. In another case, in 2020, the judge ordered the church and other defendants to pay damages to a woman after members had convinced her that her child's cancer was caused by familial sins. So on their advice, she spent tens of thousands of dollars on church goods and services. Uh, So they actually did strike an agreement back in 2009, did the church with Yamagami's family to repay about $360,000 U.S., it's about 50 million yen, in donations that she had made over the years. In an interview, Yamagami's uncle said that she had given at least 100 million yen, so she got like half, they got like half of it back. But that did happen back in 2009, so they still came out ahead. What is this church? They're here, uh, by the way, in uh, the U.S. as well. And let me see here. I'm just, yeah, yeah, you guys remember this. This is, uh, okay, here we go. This was the church founded by the Reverend Sun Myung Moon. Remember that? He first opened the church in South Korea in 1954. Five years later, he opened its first overseas branch in Japan, which quickly became the church's largest revenue source. Moon himself was educated in Japan while his own country of Korea lived under its colonial rule. So he was a big-time Korean nationalist, and he did not like the Japanese. He actually uh, described Japan as a satanic power. He used to warn his Japanese followers that they were steeped in sin and exhorted them to sacrifice everything for the church. He told a group of believers in 1973, quote, Each of you needs to restore, through paying indemnity, the sins committed by your ancestors in history. End quote. Uh, And hundreds of thousands of people did did heed his call. By the mid-80s, billions of dollars in donations had flown from Japanese families into the church's coffers. So then he fucking used it to build an empire. He bought media outlets like the Washington Times right here in America. Uh, his, And then you guys probably remember that name slightly because by the early 90s, Moon's power in Japan had peaked. And then in 1995, the 
sarin gas attacks. Remember the subway attacks in Japan, you kids? Those were by members of the religious cult Om Shinrikyo. And that created a backlash against what are referred to in the country as new religions. And suspicions of the Unification Church hardened as former followers published tell-all accounts and lawsuits began to mount. Um, yeah, so let me, let, me be, let me be clear. I might have worded that poorly as I'm scanning ahead. The subway attacks were from the cult, right? It wasn't from the Unification Church themselves, but once those sarin gas attacks and they killed a bunch of people, once that happened, every one of these like wacky churches was scrutinized, and that's when the Unification Church kind of started going downhill. So that that's kind of what I meant if I wasn't clear on that. But they went on the offensive. So they, they said, hey, uh, we're being unjustly persecuted here. Uh, so it's, it's very interesting. Um, I would, police have rated their stuff before and it's a pretty fascinating article. What about this Yamagami guy? He was born into a wealthy family, but when he was four, his father killed himself. Hmm. Wonder if he did the old Harry Carey. And a decade later, his grandfather died suddenly, leaving no one to stop his mother, who was the one fucking sending all the money to the church. So, in a letter he sent before the shooting, Yamagami said that he had spent years of dreaming of revenge. He wrote that Mr. Abe is, quote, not my enemy. He's nothing more than one of the Unification Church's most powerful sympathizers, end quote. All right. Very good update there on the uh, whack job. And probably on top of that, I'm just going to go ahead and say incel as well. I mean, I don't have any proof of that. I've read no stories about it, but you guys know the deal. Speaking of Japan, mm, don't like this one. Sea turtles have been found stabbed in Japan. Mm. Sea turtles, yes, high on, especially for a reptile, they're very high on the animal hierarchy. They lay eggs, pretty cool to look at, pretty awesome when they're swimming in the, you know, the sea and stuff. It's always cool seeing a turtle in any body of water, isn't it? You think it wouldn't be, but you know, you'll, I'll see a hundred fish in the water. I'll be like, eh, whatever. I see a turtle in the water and I like lose my shit. I'm like, fucking turtle, check it out. It's so awesome. I don't know why. But they are endangered. And this happened on the pebbled coastline of Okinawa. All right, and you guys stationed out there, I want you to uh, do some fucking uh, recon. So it has shocked Japan have these stabbings, but it has also drawn sympathy for the frustrated fishermen who often have to tussle with the hefty sea creatures when they get ensnared in their nets. So last Thursday, at least 10 green sea turtles were found scattered across a beach in Kumajima, Okinawa, dead with stab wounds in their short necks. Approximately 20 others were tangled in fishing necks or flipped over on their backs on the beach. Some barely alive, others with different stab wounds. They're not sure who's doing it, but a local police spokesman say, yes, they do believe this is somebody in the fishing industry. So, yeah, they just get enraged when they see these things because it makes them work a little bit harder. Between 300 and 700 sea turtles are found dead every year in Japan, with many of those deaths attributed to that fishing industry. Those green sea turtles can weigh as much as 440 pounds, and it is classified as endangered. Um, so 
Yeah, the fishermen don't like it because sometimes the turtles feed on their seaweed or tear into fishing nets and everything else. And, you know, this is so fucking lame. You know, this just re this just bolsters my argument that we should ban commercial fishing for like a year. Like have a moratorium. There should be no nets, no long lines of thousands of hooks. If you want to eat fish, you go out and you throw a rod in a reel. One person, one hook, and one line would be my rule. And then you can eat the fish. Or spear fishing is also acceptable. But these commercial fish... Have you seen the way they do this commercial fishing, the net thing? And I know some of you guys probably disagree with me on that. Maybe some of you are fishermen. Whatever. These nets, they just throw these massive nets out and they just scrape everything right off the ocean floor. You know? So call me a big lib if you want. I think it's messed up. And you're, they bring in all kinds of dolphins and fucking all kinds of other shit. Turtles. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Um, one spokesman said that conservation members issued, used elsewhere to help turtles, such as, oh, here we go. Like I was just saying, Hawaii's restrictions on fishing equipment. That's very good. Um, that, uh, as a matter of fact, I'm looking, I just opened a new tab because I wanted to see what those restrictions were. It's not to a news story though. It's to a state of Hawaii website. But they do have basically all kinds of gear restrictions on what they call throw nets and gill, draw, drag, or other nets. I'm not going to get into it. I don't know what any of those are. But you get my point. But yes, this spokesman said it's not easily adopted, those measures, in Japan because fishing and fishermen are such a huge part of that culture because they eat shitloads of fucking fish. And it would affect the livelihood of those fishermen. And this uh, spokesman, Dr. Kawazu, said, quote, There is protection and preservation, and they are different. For preservation, you need to think about the profits humans must make as well. End quote. Yeah, I don't like it. Get rid of it. I don't need to eat fish. I got fucking grass-fed fucking steaks. What do I need a fish for? Mercury bullshit. Fish is bullshit, dude. <laughs> No, I'm just, I, I actually, I, of course I live in San Diego. I eat yellowtail and ahi constantly, but I know where it's coming from. As I've often told you, I know where the food is coming from or when my friends spearfish and they give me like a five pound pack of frozen, uh, ahi. It's great. Let's keep going. Italy kind of told you last week that they were under threat of the prime minister resigning. Well, it has happened. So just a quick update on that. The prime minister, Mario Draghi. His government fell apart this week on Wednesday. That leaves the country heading towards a new season of political chaos. After key parts of Draghi's coalition excoriated him, love that word, on the Senate floor and abandoned him in a confidence vote on Wednesday evening, the Prime Minister was expected to discuss his resignation Thursday for a second and almost final time in a week with the country's president, Sergio Mattarella. Now, this departure would amount to a stinging blow to both Italy and Europe. As I told you last week, he was kind of a big deal. He was the former European Central Bank president. He helped save the euro. He was had a great deal of gravitas in Europe. He was a statesman guy, you know. And uh, they see him as ushering in a golden period for Italy after taking over as caretaker prime minister in 2021. 
Like he was at the head of the COVID pandemic. Remember, it was really bad over there at the very beginning. And he introduced a lot of overhauls of sectors of the economy that had long escaped modernization. And he was a big part of Europe's unified stance against Russia's aggression in Ukraine. So this had to do with kind of like energy bills and and all this shit. I'm not going to really get into the whole thing because it's pretty dry. It's all parliamentary stuff. So it looks like Italy will have a new prime minister very soon. And speaking of prime ministers, what is going on in the UK? Let's talk about England. Yes, he's gone. You guys remember he's left, he's resigned. So now there's a big race to succeed former Prime Minister Boris Johnson. So they are now, is England, scheduled to have a new Prime Minister by early September. There are two contenders. There is Johnson's former top finance official, a guy named Rishi Sunak, and the Foreign Secretary Liz Truss. So... um. How here's kind of how it works. Again, I know this is a little dry, but just a quick explainer of how it would work in the UK. So in Britain's parliamentary system, the leader of the majority party is in charge. It's kind of how it works. Three of Britain's last four prime ministers, including Johnson, came into office between elections. The new prime minister may then choose to face the voters, uh, but there's no obligation to call a new general election until five years after the last one. So if a guy comes into power, he doesn't have to, if there's two years until the next general election, he can call for one immediately, but they don't have to, and he would ride out the next two years. And remember, Johnson's party forced him to step down. A lot of the scandals involving those parties during the lockdowns, you guys remember that? And um, then... They had a few sex scandals. His uh, One of his big deputies, Chris Pincher, was kind of uh, said, he was kind of like accused of sexual harassment and all kinds of other inappropriate behavior. They're right. So then a bunch of, of Boris Johnson's um, staff resigned. A flood of further resignations followed. And then Boris Johnson announced he would resign. That's kind of what happened. So now his lawmakers set the terms of the contest to replace him. And this is going to be conservative lawmakers because he was head of the conservative party. That's kind of how it works. So if you guys want to know all of all the fucking minutia, then I encourage you to read the article, of the New York times. It's called quote, the race to succeed Boris Johnson explained one note. It was interesting. Of course, the New York times is going to point this out. Uh, the, one of the candidates, Rishi, Sunak, he's 42 years old. If he were to win, he would be Britain's first prime minister of color. That's right. Uh, It doesn't say what his ethnic background is specifically. Maybe Rishi? That could be maybe some East Asian, something like that. Not sure. Uh, Although there was a premiere with Jewish heritage. As long ago as 1868, that would be Benjamin Disraeli. So Sunak, though, is struggling to win over some of his party members. 
And then Liz Trust, the foreign secretary. It's funny, the New York Times calls her like some right winger. But uh, she, uh, during the 2016 Brexit referendum, she was a Remainer. In other words, she campaigned for Britain to remain in the European Union. So I don't know how you would possibly call her conservative. That's actually that's one of those key dividing lines for one of the, the, the conservative party members. Uh, Sunik, Rashi Sunik, on the other hand, the other guy, he voted to leave. But now she's remade herself. I love that phrase. Basically, it's like, yeah, I know you used to say all this stuff, but now I've changed my mind because I think you can help me with the voters, and so now I'm going to believe all this other stuff. <laughs> That's remaking yourself. Why don't they just say, yeah, she's totally different now because she sees political opportunity, so she's abandoned all of her core beliefs and uh, gone in a 180-degree direction. But yeah, go read the whole thing, guys. What else? Let's keep going here. Um... I don't want to get into that yet, do I? <laughs> no, there's so much crap that I have to go through that I really don't want to. Well, let's talk about this. Let's talk about the heist. You guys know I love a good heist story. Yeah, out here in California, a Brinks truck got fucking busted into, and jewelry and gems worth millions were Stolen from it. Now, this is being conservatively estimated at $10 million worth of jewelry. And this was near Los Angeles. The merchandise was loaded onto a Brinks truck from an event hosted by the International Gem and Jewelry Show on July 10th in San Mateo, which is near San Francisco. And the truck had been en route to another exhibit 370 miles away at the Pasadena Convention Center in Pasadena. But... The merchandise was taken from the truck near L.A. early on Monday. Now, this New York Times article says, but under circumstances that have not made public. I have a new tab because I always check you guys, and I have an update on that, but stand by. Let's get through the rest of the story. Um, one of the jewelers who requested anonymity estimated the total value of what was stolen to be between $20 million and $50 million. A spokesman from the Brinks truck people said, well, it was insured for $10 million, so that's what it's worth. Yeah, she said, according to the information that customers provided us before they shipped it, blah, 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 the value of the missing items is $10 million. So the jeweler says Brinks is not being transparent. Now, the FBI is involved. So what about the update here? It was at an I-5, Interstate 5 truck stop. Yeah, in the early morning of July 11th, at the Flying J truck stop along I-5. You guys love, you guys know the Flying J. We all love the Flying J. You go in there, you get some coffee, get some fucking Slim Jims, maybe hire on one of the famed Flying J lot lizards for a quick little pick-me-up, if you know what I mean. We love the Flying J. Well, that's where it happened. So two armed guards left their Brinks big rig, giving a gang of thieves a 27-minute win window to make the huge haul. They bypassed, the, and they are calling them burglars, they bypassed the truck's locking mechanism and used the storage containers to haul away the jewels, gold, etc. from that Brinks tractor trailer. So this wasn't like picking up, this wasn't a hijacking, they actually fucking picked the lock. Hmm. So this definitely... So one thing it does tell me, there was a high degree of competence involved and 
I mean, I have to believe it was an inside job. Maybe not by the drivers. Maybe not. But why did the... I'm looking... Fucking, I'm so, sorry, guys. I'm just, I'm just thinking about it. Just scrolling down here and here. Why did the two armed guards leave the truck? I mean, I've we've all I've done vehicle security before, convoy security. You guys do. You don't fucking do that. So, very very strange. They, it wasn't really a robbery. They're saying it was more of a stealth burglary. They quickly bypassed that truck's trailer locking mechanism. You know, in a lot of semis, they have seals for valuable cargo. So, wonder if the seals were broken as well. The investigators are not describing the locking mechanism. They did acknowledge it would not be exceedingly difficult to crack. Oh, <laughs> so, so what's that? A couple of padlocks? Is that all you did for $10 million? A couple of padlocks? No? Okay. That's funny. Uh, the guards were openly carrying firearms, which... They said could have clued the guys in that this was valuable. They had to be watching this story. There's no way they just were like walking around the flying J being like, oh, look at those two guys. They got guns on their hips. Let's fucking break in and spend 27 minutes doing it. Hmm. Let me see. They did not manage to get all the valuables out of the trucks. They declined to discuss the security members of the gem show, but everybody entering is photographed. Typically, merchandise is transported in a big rig with a bulletproof cab equipped with satellite tracking, camera systems, armed guards. The exact route is kept a secret. Yeah, so why? There's no way this is just stumbled upon. Why would the security guards leave the truck door unguarded? The police are clamming up about this. Hmm. Cargo theft is a massive criminal enterprise across the L.A. region with some of the biggest ports of the nation. Last year alone, CargoNet, a, a theft record firm, logged more than $57 million in cargo truck theft. California remains the top state for cargo thieves with a 13% increase over 2020. All right. This is great. Yeah, again, you know, it's not very sexy. It's not like a high-speed art gallery in Paris or anything like that. But reluctantly, I would still like my resume to be forwarded on to the high-speed hijacking heist crew. Again, a lot of skills I have, you guys. I'm familiar with uh, driving, evasive driving, heavy heavy vehicle driving. I'm familiar with all of the uh, tools, the accoutrement that you would use to break into such a truck. You know, the power saws, got some good PJ training with that. You know, the sawzalls, fucking power saws, the quickie saw, all that. I'm your saw guy, no problem. Then when we fucking end up in uh, Miami with all the bling, I'll look banging with the tailored suit, the shoes just so, hair on point, ab veins popping. I'll probably go shirtless in that tailored suit if I'm, if I'm in Miami and we got all the jewels on my fingers. I'll try to fit in like the locals. So, yes, I beseech you, pass my resume on to them. Let's keep going. All right, let's go to your Russia Ukraine update, latest news on that. Uh, let's see here. West, the West is condemning Russia's strike on that Odessa port. A Ukrainian official said that Russian strikes had caused 10 explosions in Odessa on Saturday. 
That is one day after both sides, Ukraine, Russia, agreed to a deal to help transport millions of tons of grain out of that port and others on the Black Sea. So that's good because Odessa is a critical port for global grain supplies. People in Africa are worried about like starving to death because they couldn't get any grain. Uh, what else here? Russian forces had fired four caliber cruise missiles at Odessa. Two of them were shot down. Two hit infrastructure facilities. This is the first time since the war began that the port in Odessa had been par- targeted, so this is significant. There was no immediate comment from the Kremlin. It was unclear what the strikes were targeting and whether any grain infrastructure was hit. And the damage did expir, uh, appear to be extensive. Uh, what else in the Russia-Ukraine war? Well, the fighting is shifting over to the south. Both sides are using long-range weapons. And the Ukrainians now are saying they're having great success with those HIMARS rockets that we've sent them. And they're, they want more. And we are sending them more, by the way. Another uh, blank check. But doesn't seem like it's going to stop anytime soon, The, uh, the us giving them weapons, that is to say. And then the other big news uh, in the last couple of days, the State Department says two Americans died recently in the Donbass region. It is not known whether they had been fighting alongside Ukrainian forces in the region. The State Department provided no other information about their identities or the circumstances of their deaths. And you remember at least two other Americans are believed to have died while fighting alongside soldiers. That would be 22-year-old William Joseph Cancel Jr., former Marine, and Stephen Zabielski, 52. And these latest two were not a part of the Ukrainian Army's International Legion. Hmm. So they just show up? <laughs> yeah, I don't know... Guys, you know, I can only tell you so many times. What do you want to go there for? You want to get your war? You want to get... You'll fucking get vaporized before you even fire a gun. The most likely outcome for you is to get blown into a bazillion pieces before you even get a shot. So, again, I'll strongly discourage you from doing it. More about that security assistance. Yeah, we're sending another $270 million. And that includes four more of those mobile rocket launchers. Um, just... I might as well tell you the HIMARS stands for High Mobility Artillery Rocket Systems. The now with these latest four, that will bring the number the U.S. has sent to 16 total. Plus, we're going to send them more HIMARS ammunition and 36,000 rounds of artillery ammunition for howitzers already delivered there. Oh, and we are going to provide them with up to 580 Phoenix Ghost tactical drones. These are those suicide drones, like the Switchblade, right? These drones are capable of surveillance, but then can be locked on the targets and detonated upon impact. Well, I hope we save a few for ourselves with all these fucking weapons we're giving them. Uh, a few just other stories here. Uh, Volodymyr Zelensky, the uh, president of Ukraine, he is taking aim at the internal enemy, in his eyes at least, He's uh, kind of trying to root out spies and collaborators. The president dismissed two senior law enforcement officials saying that they had not been nearly aggressive enough in weeding out traitors. This is the first time Zelensky has kind of taken a hard look at uh, you know his, his people, 
since the war began. Hundreds of treason investigations have been opened. That was according to Zelensky himself in a televised address after the firings. Those firings, by the way, still must be confirmed by the parliament. Hmm. The threat from spies in government, churches, and intelligence agencies, and from many citizens of Ukraine who are sympathetic to Russia, has plagued Ukraine for years. Now it is a much more acute problem. He specifically cited Ukraine's security service, a force of 27,000 personnel, the largest in Europe. Western allies believe this service has too many areas of operation, leaving it open to corruption and prone to straying from its spy hunting role. So one of the guys he fired on Sunday was the head of the domestic intelligence agency, Ivan Bakanov. He is a childhood friend of Zelensky. The other one fired was Irna Venediktova, Ukraine's prosecutor general. He did not accuse them directly of being traitors. He suggested they had turned a blind eye to traitors in sensitive positions. He said, quote, Actions and any inaction of each official in security sector and in law enforcement agency will be evaluated, end quote. And then the deputy head of the president's office was a little bit more direct. He said the two officials were ousted for failing to, quote, cleanse, end quote, their agencies of collaborators. Hmm. The intelligence service is a problem for Ukraine because a lot of their heads graduated from KGB schools. And, uh, you know, he, he, he says it's not... A lot of people, including members of parliament, are saying... You know, it's kind of hard to identify these guys. Indeed, Member of Parliament Volodymyr Ariev said, quote, Of course, it's not easy task. They are not walking in corridor with badge saying, I am KGB. Uh, 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 uh. End quote. A laugh actually wasn't in there. I just threw that in. Uh, so, we'll see what more comes of that. There's probably a lot more of that shit to go on. Uh, meanwhile, Putin, Vladimir Putin, yes, you remember we all thought he was going to die maybe a few weeks ago? Well, now Western officials, as well as the Kremlin this week, dismissed long-standing rumors that the 69-year-old Russian president, Vladimir V. Putin, is unwell. Yes, um, William J. Burns, director of the CIA, said at the Aspen Security Forum in Colorado this week, quote, there are lots of rumors about President Putin's health, and as far as we can tell, he's entirely too healthy, end quote. Huh, good one. And then the head of uh, MI6, the British Foreign Intelligence Service, he said he agreed. Richard Moore said, quote, there is no evidence that Putin is suffering from serious illness, end quote. Now. Yeah. That's it. His health has been the subject of conjecture. And, you know, you have seen those videos of him, like, shaking and kind of uh, stuttering a little bit. Uh, they say he had dementia, Parkinson's disease, everything else. So he said, yeah, Putin is going to turn 70 years old in October. So, yeah, that one theory, I guess that one theory, if this is true, because I had the theory, like, you know, maybe, you know, he's dying. And he just figures, like, well, before I die, I'm going to go out with a blaze of glory. Well, maybe that's not. Uh, the fuel thing. Let's go right into the fuel thing. The start in Europe, Russia is keeping Germany guessing on the gas shipments. Russia has restarted the flow of natural gas through a vital pipeline. 
And that provided a moment of relief to Germany, which uses natural gas to power its most important industry and heat 50% of German homes. But Putin has made it clear that he intends to use his energy exports as a weapon uh, to punish and divide European leaders. Of course, I mean, if they're supplying your enemy with weapons, the Euro Europe in this case, you're going to respond in kind. I'm not saying one is good or the other one's good. I'm just saying it it's logically makes sense. Um, they are trying to cut down gas use in Europe, but it's it's not it's not a hard deal, especially now with this heat wave. I'll have more on that too. That pipeline is the Nord Stream One. It directly connects Russia and Germany. So in the weeks leading up to the 10-day shutdown for planned maintenance that just ended, Russia's state-owned energy monopoly, Gazprom, had already reduced flows through the pipeline to 40% of its capacity, and analysts are saying that levels like that are not going to be enough to prevent an energy crisis next winter. Okay, well, what the? you're going to fucking lose your mind when I play the video, the audio clips I've come up. What are you going to do about it? You're going to listen to fucking the, sick, the the high school dropout with autism, Greta Thunberg? You're going to keep listening to her and, oh, hey, guys, everyone. Hey, it's a 16-year-old it's a high school dropout with autism who says fucking uh, oil is mean. So we're just going to shut down the industry. And also, by the way, we're going to shut down our nuclear power plants and everything else. And we're just going to hope Vladimir Putin uh, fucking likes us forever. They really thought that. <laughs> He's, that's not an exaggeration. They really thought that. So what are you going to fucking do about it is the question. They're so cucked over. You, you have to take the, all these morons who are gluing themselves to paintings. Oh, did, yes. And I, you, a bunch of you guys. Did you see the chick who actually fucking buried her hand in concrete on a major road? Some climate activist. Yeah. What do you, you you have to stop listening to them. You'd be like, hey, you, do you like cars? Do you like planes? Do you like heat? Do you like air conditioning? Do you like electricity? Do you like everything that's made us a modern civilization? Then you have to, for now at least, continue on to the natural gas, oil, coal, everything else that has created this insane, awesome, modern civilization. Otherwise, you're going back to candlelight. I bet those Brits fucking sweating their buttholes off over in England this week would have liked some air conditioning. And isn't that funny, you guys? You, like, you know, the old thing, they always made fun of Americans for air conditioning. Like, oh, you Americans and your air conditioning. You know, why does it have to be so cool and refreshing? I, I never understood that. I know when you say it out loud, you're like, oh, I don't know, because I like being cool and refreshing and not having sweat run down the crack of my ass. But yeah, they don't have that over there. They don't have AC like we do. They just don't. So, um, I guess, you know, enjoy your candlelight and fucking sweating your nuts off. <laughs> These are all problems that can be fixed, but it takes political will. You know, I've said it a bazillion times, you guys, electric and solar and all the windmills, all that shit. That's great and all, but it's not good enough yet. It just is not good enough yet. And you don't have the infrastructure and it's not good enough yet. Get it through your heads. So that brings us to some other stuff. Gas. Gasoline America. Prices have fallen for more than a month. Uh, yeah, so they're, they're already gloating about this as the White House, which is funny because when gas prices run away up, it was all Putin's fault. Now that the gas prices are on the way down, it's all Joe Biden's, uh, is Joe Biden's political acumen. 
that has brought down this price hike. And it was, remember, hashtag Putin's price hike. Uh, I believe the other day I paid the lowest I've paid in months. Uh, I paid $5.11 a gallon. And a little while ago, I paid well over six in San Diego. And it's worse. Than, it's much worse in Los Angeles. The average nationwide this week is four forty nine a gallon. That's up. That's down from a peak of five dollars one cent. So it's down fifty cents a gallon on average, which sounds nice, but it's up like fucking three dollars in the last couple of years per gallon. So it's got a fucking ways to go. And it doesn't just affect your car. You know, it affects through higher transportation costs, almost everything else. Your shipping costs more, food costs more because it takes longer to ship and it's more expensive to ship, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So once the supply chain is affected, it affects everything down that supply chain. Uh, now, I wanted, I've been dying to fucking pay, play this clip. I want you to listen, and, and I cannot believe, I have a Twitter clip, right? And it's from a fucking big lib account who thinks that this clip makes Pete Boot Edge Edge, uh, what is he, the Secretary of Transportation, they, this moron thinks that this makes Pete Boot Edge Edge sound good. He wrote, quote, Pete is very good at this, end quote. He goes on CNBC, and credit to this reporter, he's one of the older guys. He's not some fucking millennial moron, Gen Z moron, I should say now. And he fucking is grilling Pete Buttigieg. Because remember, you guys, for the longest time, it's been electric cars, green energy, blah, blah, blah. And this guy's like, yeah, okay, that's great. That's great. But you're 10 years, maybe. What about right now, Pete? Right now. Not tomorrow. Not five years from now. Not 2035. Not 2050. Right now. What is the answer? So let's listen to this fucking exchange here. Here we may go. may set in in Europe. We may see the downside of, of for example, if, if the president declares a, a climate emergency, executive order, we are going to stop oil and gas drilling in the outer continental shelf. We're going to do all kinds of things that, that will limit production of hydrocarbons at this time with the idea that by 2030, everyone else is going to be along with us and that, that will somehow... You think we're going to we're going to be able to change the weather between or the climate between now and 2030 with what China? Well, we've changed the climate between 20. We've changed the climate between 2010 and now, and no, not in a good way. Uh, so yes, we can and must act to make sure that we reverse the worst effects of climate change. Look, some of it's upon us right now. There, this is not a question about whether it's going to happen but, but or whether it's not going to happen. Keep it's a question of 20, they're going to keep rising. It's a question of how no many lives and, and how many livelihoods are going to be destroyed by allowing the worst effects of climate change to happen. But right and, now, people, you know, are I've never known the United States. The I've They're never known the United from States the heat for something that may or may not happen by 2030. I've they're dying from the heat because of a climate-related extreme weather. Well, we're not going to cut uh, emissions until 2030. Later. In the meantime, they need energy to cool their homes and to heat their homes. Now, in the meantime. now. And, and as, you, as you know, I mean, the other thing that's striking is I've noticed some uh, naysayers in, in the U.S. speaking as if the only power sources that are exist uh, that exist are solar, wind, and hydrocarbon. Obviously, in, in, in Europe, they, they have a mix that uh, relies partly on nuclear. Uh, we have more options that are being developed in the U.S., as well like as being what? smarter and more efficient with the energy that we have. 
Energy efficiency has often been described as the fifth fuel. Uh, and in, in the transportation side of things, finding less carbon intensive ways to, to move our vehicles. Obviously, the, the leading and, and most visible example of that's electric vehicles. It's why we're fighting to make EVs cheaper. And it's why we're getting these charging stations out across the country. But I've just, I've never known the United States to be a country that looks around the world and says, What's the lowest common denominator? Let's do that. Or we don't have control over every piece of it, so let's sit back, uh, accept the status quo, and let some other country lead. That's not what America does. And I think what you're going to see from the president today is an insistence that America should be leading the way and challenging the rest of the world to catch up to us instead of matching uh, some other country that isn't doing a very good job. Okay, so there you go. There's so much in that clip that is, yeah, it just blew my mind. Like I said at the beginning, Oh, that is great, Pete. What about fucking now, Pete? What about the waitress, Pete? Who's fucking paying five fifty a gallon for gas, Pete? He's a, it's the problem with these guys is they can go on TV and just fucking prattle on. To that reporter's credit, he did try to bust in a couple times, but these guys are masters. They just ignore. They keep that dumb fucking look on their face, and they just rattle off their stupid talking points. And by the way, why don't you shove in Pete's face? There's other things he could have done. Hey, Pete, I noticed that you take a fucking uh, gas-guzzling V8 to work every day, boot edge edge, with an accompanying car. So you're a big hypocrite. Nobody even knows who you are. You could ride a bike. Why don't you ride a bike, boot edge edge? It's just not good enough. So there's no reason to pay. Natural gas is pretty clean. You know, we we should be having tons, and we have a shitload of natural gas in the United States. We should be sucking all of that out of the ground as we continue to develop battery power, which has many, many problems as I've gone over in the past, and developing the electric infrastructure, which is pathetically behind. I just, the only answer that you got to get Pete and like a reporter or somebody, or hey, I know, how about me? You get them on camera, two chairs, no notes, two chairs, me and Boot Edge Edge. And fucking let's shout at each other for an hour and then let let the internet decide who wins that. Because if it was me, I would just keep asking right right now, Pete. I'm not talking about 2030. Right now, where is a fucking uh, 500 unit apartment complex? Where are they all supposed to charge their cars? And how much is that going to cost? Even if they did have hundreds and hundreds of chargers in the apartment buildings, which they do not. And I found this story. I actually tweeted this out of Bravo Kilo Actual. This is from two weeks ago at WTSP, uh, Tampa. And uh, it was the story of this family who bought an electric car for their teenager. Listen to these costs. They wanted to buy their kid an electric car. So her parents spent $11,000 on a used electric car. This is the Sawinski family. So they bought her a used Ford Focus electric, $11,000. It's a 2014 with 60,000 miles. So that's pretty expensive for a used car with 60,000 miles, especially an electric one. But Avery Swinsky, the 17-year-old, said, hey, it was fine at first. I loved it. And all of a sudden, it stopped working. So she had the car for six months before her dashboard started lighting with all kinds of shit. So then they took the car in for service and the Ford people, excuse me, said that it would cost $14,000 to replace the battery. 
Again, $3,000 more than what they paid for. And by the way, that quote does not include installation, does not include labor. And then the, um, the Ford people offered to buy the car off of them for $500. Oh, and then, even better, even if they wanted to pay the ridiculous amount for the battery, Ray Sawinski, the dad, said that he then found out the batteries aren't even available. I mean, this is, so these are the little, you guys know how I'm always bitching about the devil in the details, which is why politicians avoid details. They're always like speaking grand tones about the green energy revolution. This is the nut, nuts and bolts right here. That story, that's the fucking details. Where are the batteries? How much are they going to cost? What's the environmental, environmental damage done creating the batteries? How do you dispose of the batteries when they're done? Where do we get the minerals to make the batteries? How much of those minerals do we have? How much do they cost? Just Where are we supposed to charge the batteries? Just tons and tons of questions that they avoid. Uh, now, here's a reporter asking uh, some jag off in the Biden administration uh, about the Putin price decrease or you know, because the gas went down, right? And they've been saying it's Putin's fault. Here's a reporter challenging it both ways, Jared, because when the gas prices go up, it's got nothing to do with the president. When we see some decline, you want him to get the credit. Uh, look, I think that uh, that, that uh, it, it, there's there's no both way thinking here at all. Uh, 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 yeah. And then just stops. He's, then he just goes on and changes the subject. Oh, here's another great clip. Boot Edge Edge was testifying in front of Congress or some for some of this stuff. And he was asked by Thomas Massey, a Republican representative, about, well, hey, how are we going to charge these electric cars? Because then the power grids themselves are unrestrained, and the average family is going to use a far more energy, and that's going to cost them money, too. So in the end, it all you get screwed anyway. But he asked uh, Boot Edge Edge about that. The average... Uh, household uses 17% of their electricity for air conditioning. And um, that would mean the average household uses 1,870 kilowatt hours per year for air conditioning. If that average household plugged in electric cars, do you know how much more electricity they would use in comparison to the air conditioning that air conditions their whole house? No, but again, I would emphasize it will well, be help less you. Let me help you with yeah, that shut first up. before we go on, because the numbers <laughs> are important. It would take four times as much electricity to charge the average household's cars as the average household uses on air conditioning. Do you think that could be... So if we reach the goal by 2030 that Biden has of a 50% adoption instead of 100% adoption, that means the average household would use twice as much electricity charging one of their cars as they would use for all of the air conditioning that they use for the entire year. Okay, very good. Now, I have not fact-checked those numbers, but it should be pretty easy to find the average electrical use of a family. And that's one electric car, by the way. What if you have two? And again, you guys, love the idea of electric cars. It's not good enough yet. It's not practical. There are tons of problems with them. And I, I like electric. I just wish there was one fucking shred of acknowledgement from, pe like, from people like Boot Edge Edge. The, yeah, this is a challenge. We haven't figured it out yet. That would be, even if he just said that, that would at least be a sliver of acknowledgement that this isn't some, you know, this, this is a challenge. And it's not all fucking just as simple as, oh, flip a switch. Everybody buy a $70,000 electric car. 
It's not that easy. There's tons and tons of minutia, and that's why they never talk about it. All right, enough. Sick of him. Boot edge edge. You believe they think this guy is great. You know, he's just like this new breed of lib kind of beta male politician. Like him, Eric Garcetti, LA Mayor, Gavin Newsom, the you know, that fucking soy boy from Minnesota, Jacob Fry. Justin Blackface Trudeau. It's like this smug, arrogant guy who thinks he's smart because he just spews talking points as you try to interject questions. That's not smart. But they're all the same guy. It's crazy. All right, guys, let's keep going. Uh, let's see. A couple uh, updates on some legislation. The House of Representatives has passed a bill to ensure contraception rights, of course, following the infamous Dobbs decision. Uh, after the overturning of Roe versus Wade. The vote was mostly along party lines. Um, it is certain, almost certain, to, fall, uh, to fail in the evenly divided Senate. It's legislation to ensure access to contraception. The measure passed 228 to 195. Eight Republicans joined Democrats in support. This legislation would protect the right to purchase and use contraceptions without government restriction. Hmm. Um, the issue of contraception access is unfortunately, in my opinion, linked to abortion rights. Some Republicans said that they supported contraception in practice, but viewed Democrats' bill as a gateway to allowing abortion. Now, I have not read this myself. On the face of it, it sounds good to me. I mean, you guys know my stance on this by now. We've gone over it exhaustively, but... Yeah, if you don't want young girls to get pregnant and then have to have an abortion, then you should support them being able to get contraception, which is widely available as of now and fairly inexpensive. So uh, maybe there's, I would love to hear their explanation so how it could lead to a, you know abortion again. I don't know. And then there was another one. The same-sex marriage bill. It's back. Yes. The White House called the the House of Representatives called a vote this week on the Respect for Marriage Act, which would codify federal protections for same-sex couples. This is what they're doing instead of fucking getting gas prices to come down. Uh, Forty-seven Republicans did vote yes to codify it. Um, Senator Mitch McConnell. So now it goes to the Senate. Mitch McConnell, the minority leader, minority leader, <laughs> declined to take a stance on the bill yet. But as of this week, four Republican senators, Susan Collins of Maine, Rob Portman of Iowa, sorry, Ohio, Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, and Tom Tillis of North Carolina, said they do support that bill. So Chuck Schumer, senator, majority leader, he is committing to bringing that vote uh, bill to the floor for a vote. Uh, yeah, okay, well, whatever, yeah, you know what, I never understood this, like, I kind of get it, like, I get what people, I get the, I get the people's problem with it, and I've said this before, a long time ago, like, most people's objection to it originally was the use of the word marriage, like, if you would have just changed it and not insisted on that word, I think it would have been no problem a long time ago, remember when it was like civil unions, and everybody was like, okay, basically, it would it would give gay couples legally bound gay couples the same legal tax rights, health care rights, etc., as married couples. 
And I think, I really believe that the word marriage is where it all kind of went to shit. Because the more religious people think of marriage as like a sacred bond between a man and a woman, yes, female and male, for the gender people, uh, that will uh, have a matrimony and offspring and all the rest. And that's what they believe, and that's why I think a lot of people didn't like it, and that's why I think it's been a shit show ever since. They didn't like just that word. That's just my opinion. But it is the correct one. So now... That is going to go to the Senate. About 71% of Americans, including most Republicans, by the way, support same-sex marriage, up from just 27% in 1996. Portman, who I mentioned earlier, is co-sponsoring the legislation. He flipped his position in 2013 after his son came out as gay. And, of course, Liz Cheney, Republican of Wyoming, said she was wrong to oppose same-sex marriage. She reversed her long-standing position because her sister is a gay woman and married. And it was actually, they got more House Republicans than they thought they would have. So that one actually might pass. Okay, let's keep going. Let's talk about Uvalde. Uvalde, Texas, the shooting, everything else. What's the update on that? Well, the school superintendent in Uvalde, Texas, has recommended firing the school district police chief, Pete Arredondo, for his role in a delayed response to a mass shooting that allowed a gunman to remain in two classrooms full of surviving students for more than an hour. So, a school board meeting set for Saturday, although I believe now that they have canceled it, will include a closed session with the district's lawyer to discuss possible action regarding termination for good cause of Chief Arredondo based on a recommendation from the superintendent, Hal Harrell. Remember, Arredondo is under fire because he failed to order any of the officers into these classrooms as he searched for backups, shields, and keys. And Remember, he didn't have his radio or some bullshit like that. Just total incompetence. And yes, I've seen all the videos are horrible. I was going to play the video of the one cop whose wife was shot in one of the classrooms and later died. And he wanted to go in there because he had comms with her. And he's like, dude, they say she's been shot. But you can barely hear it. It was really faint. It's very sad. And they're holding him back. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. He, they held him back enough. Uh, and then meanwhile, the mother of the shooter, Salvador Ramos, she got into a shouting match in the street with some people. Play it in a minute. That's Adriana Martinez, and she got into it with the relatives of an Uvalde shooting victim. Uh, so she kind of had one good thing to say here and one bad thing to say here. Because, uh, but I'll I'll, uh, I'll play the video for you first, and I believe like Telemundo or some Spanish channel was following them around. Let's uh, hear what we can hear. La molestia es muy fuerte para ustedes como padres. Sí. Coraje, creen que ella tiene responsabilidad. Sí, mucho. ¿Qué razones tenía para matar a 19 niños y dos maestras? ¿Qué razones? No tenía ni una razón. Ella dice que es inocente. ¿Inocente de qué? No es inocente, no es inocente. All right. Yeah, the rest of it's in Spanish, but basically she's like, she she fucked by saying, you have no right to judge my son. Oh, yeah, we're going to judge your son, your fucking whack job son. 
But then uh, later on, she did uh, yell out like, oh, you think I don't carry this with me every day? And yeah, that's that's probably tough. I mean, you know, but on the other hand, the fucking dipshit should have maybe tracked her psychotic son a little bit better. So that's your Uvalde update. Let's go. Woman posing as nurse tried to steal a baby from a hospital. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's been arrested on kidnapping and child stealing. The woman, Je- Jessenea Marone, 23, was taken into custody a day after the episode took place at the Riverside University Health System Medical Center in Moreno Valley, California. Deputies were summoned there on July 14th after employees notified them of an individual impersonating a nurse on campus. They learned that a woman had entered the hospital posing as a newly hired nurse and gained access to the ward where newborn infants are looked after. So she ran in there, identified herself as the nurse, and then while inside a patient's room, she just attempted to take the newborn infant. (laughs) They confronted her, called security, but she fled before security guards or any other police were able to apprehend her. She was taken into custody the next day after they executed a search warrant. Um, They have not given an exact motive or say how they identified her as a suspect. Well, probably all the fucking closed-circuit television cameras. At the residence, they found, quote, additional items of evidentiary value, end quote. Hmm. They did not say what those items were. Okay, so just fucking complete whack job. If I'm reading between the lines. Uh, let's see here. Oh, did you see the uh, candidate for governor in New York? Fucking <laughs> was accosted by the drunk military vet. Let me play the clip here really quick. I have the clip. You can hear him like talking and then you'll hear him kind of say like, hey, what are you doing, man? Or something like that. So this is Lee Zeldin. And this was at Parenton, New York. He's sitting there on a stage, you know, doing his political shtick. And this guy just walks up and starts Last going on. Let's hear it. From New York. And there's only there's only one option. There you go. All right, and now they're 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 pinning the guy down and uh, everything else. Now Joe Biden has condemned the attempt. Apparently, this was by the attack was from military veteran, 43-year-old David Jacobonis. And by the way, he was released without bail just hours after he attacked Zeldin. He apparently approached the candidate and told him, quote, okay, you're done, end quote. He was subdued by another Marine, Marine Corps veteran Joe Chenley. So the interesting thing about this was the weapon. It was one of these, like, knuckle weapons in the shape of, like, a Hello Kitty, you know, the cartoon, but the ears were, like, two inches long and sharp. And it it cracked me up because a bunch of these libs are making fun of it, like, oh, you couldn't, what what is that little tiny, I'm looking at a picture right now, you guys know what I'm talking about? It's like one of those surreptitious weapons, it's like, you know, like, uh, you know, you put, it's got, like, two holes where the eyes were, and you put your fingers through the holes, and then the ears act as, like, a stabbing thing. And everybody was making fun, like, oh, how scary, a Hello Kitty stabbing. I'm looking at, the, those those ears are, like, a good two inches long. The report said it was made of plastic uh, and not steel, but still sharpened plastic, assuming it's rigid. Yeah, you could fucking kill somebody with that. 
stick one of those in your eye. Or fucking swing at somebody and punch them in the neck with one of those. So all these goofballs are saying like, oh, what's the big deal? It's just like a plastic keychain. No, you could definitely fucking stick that in somebody's eye, blind them for life, punch them in the throat, kill them. So yeah, pretty serious. Joe Biden did the right thing, condemned it after a while. <laughs> all right, let me see here. What else do I want to do? Um, speaking of Biden, Biden's got the Rona. Yeah, he had the Rona. How about that? Was he had like 12 booster shots or something? Yeah, that's right. He uh, did test positive for COVID-19 on Thursday. So I've got some clips to play about it, which is pretty funny. But this is striking because Biden in the early days was in the bubble. He governed the country mostly by Zoom inside the old Oval Office. And uh, he started to wander out more. He never, I mean, he was always like kind of dropping his mask and all this bullshit. And th there was so much fucking propaganda at the New York Times. Like, you know, how they you remember when Trump got COVID and then the media had a shit fit. And I'll prove that in a minute. But this New York Times article talks about Biden getting COVID. And then the headline is, quote, like the rest of us, Biden learns to live with the risks of the virus. End quote. If it was Trump, it was like, how dare you? How long have you had this virus? Where did it come from? Who have you touched and coughed on, orange man? But yeah, and he's old, and he's got the Rona. He says he's got some symptoms, but they're mild, blah, blah, blah. I will play you Biden's clip saying how he had the Rona after testing positive. And here's Joe Biden talking. Hey, folks, guess you heard this morning I tested positive for COVID. But I've been double vaccinated, double boosted. Symptoms are mild. And, uh, and I really appreciate your inquiries and your concerns. But I'm doing well. I'm getting a lot of work done. I'm going to continue to get it done. And, uh, and in the meantime, thanks for your concern, and keep the faith. It's going to be okay. All right, there's Joe Biden. Keep the faith. It's going to be okay. What would we do without Sleepy Joe? Uh, so remember that this is, again, this is like national hysteria when Trump got COVID. So the reporters were asking the White House, uh, the presidential spokesperson, what's her name, Catherine Jean-whatever-Pierre, and a reporter's like, well, why aren't we hearing from the doctor on this? His doctor. We want to know what his... Remember when they were screaming at Trump, like, what are his blood oxygen levels? All that stuff. What's the number? So they were asking, like, well, why don't we hear from the doctor? And here's uh, the response. Why are we not hearing from Dr. O'Connor on this? I understand that you've you know, released statements from him. Um, but yesterday we had a difficult time uh, comparing the description of the... the symptom progression from Dr. O'Connor's letter versus how you all laid it out in the briefing room. And then Dr. Zhao, you did some interviews this morning, but your last update from the president was at 10 o'clock the night before. Well, a, a couple of hours ago, right at 11 o'clock, you got a detailed letter uh, from uh, Dr. O'Connor. We've, we've given you two uh, detailed letters from Dr. O'Connor and you've heard directly from here, from him. Uh, look, we we, we yes you have you've heard from the letter that is hearing directly from him we're not playing telephone here you're hearing directly uh, from the from the physician yes it is i mean that's that is hearing directly uh, from in his words in his words you are hearing directly from uh, dr o'connor as i read out but i'm answering your colleague's question here so <laughs> give me the second to do that thank you hey he wrote a letter i read from it that is hearing directly from him no, it's not, because we'd like to ask him some fucking questions, not you, 
Who has to fucking flip through a three-ring binder for five minutes before you uh, read something off the plate? And then here's some other hack. I guess he's another spokesman. I'd never heard of this guy. Ashish Jha. And this one was going around about how great Biden is doing. Uh, let's hear from Jha. And as you all saw just a few minutes ago, the president is doing better. He slept well last night. Uh, he ate his breakfast and lunch. I fully. He actually showed me his plate. <laughs> he showed me his plate. I'm a big boy. Are you a big boy? It's a big boy. Dog thinks I'm talking to him right now. No, don't come over. I don't come over here. I know you're hot, buddy. I know it's hot as shit in here. Um. So yeah, they're treating him like a fucking infant, honestly. So then they asked these two, KGP, as they call her here, and Dr. Ja, and they were asking about Kamala Harris, who, right after Joe Biden tested positive, she's uh, Kamala Harris has spotted breaking CDC guidelines about this. Let's listen to this. question I have for you, Dr. Ja. Uh, Vice President Harris is a close contact of the president's, and the CDC guidance says that if you're a close contact, you want to wear a well-fitting mask when you're around other people. She just spoke at a conference in D.C., and she hugged someone without a mask on. She was also maskless for most of that conversation. Would you have recommended that she keep her mask on, given that that is the CDC guidance? You know, I, I think I, I, I'm not sure what the, I've not been tracking the vice president's activities. I, I, so I don't have well, anything specific. Well, we to just say told you, fucko. Uh, what she did. My understanding is that the vice president is following CDC guidelines. Well, no, she's not. Close contact. She's also uh, recently been infected. So within the 90 days oh, okay. uh, of, of a previous infection. But I don't know if you have anything else to really? offer. No, on. no, I don't. I guess she isn't following the CDC guidance, though, right? If she is hugging someone without a mask on. Your on that. Yeah, I, I think the CDC guidance is clear, but I, you know, the problem is me commenting on what the vice president did when I wasn't actually haven't seen it or I don't. We're telling you, dope. Well, so I'm going to pass. She took off the mask and she, and she <laughs> someone. You don't have to see it. I mean, that's, that's exactly. Happened. Yeah. So usually, when we think about people <laughs> having contact, is for an extended period of time. Oh, now that's I it. I, I okay. Didn't see the hug. I don't know how long the hug lasted, um, but it's very hard for me to comment on something I really didn't see. So. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know what? Kudos to that chick. There's so few of them. Yeah, she didn't put. She said exactly what I was saying. She's like, "Hey, fucko, you don't need to see. I'm telling you what happened. I'm telling you literally." Oh, and then this one. They're asking when he was infected. Get the fucking answer here. Where was he infected? I I don't think we know. Um, I certainly don't know if you, if you have any thoughts I, on I, it. Look, I, I don't think that that matters, right? I think what matters really? is prepared for this moment. Really? I think what matters uh, is what Dr. Jha just laid out. Uh, if we look at where we were, were a year and a half ago, this is a president when he walked in. Okay, uh, yeah, stop. Remember how important that was, you guys? What do you mean it's not? It doesn't matter. Remember the uh, fucking tracking? You know, all that? <laughs> the, the spread? Yeah, remember, remember, you guys remember the early days of the pandemic, and they, they really thought we were gonna like download an app, and then everybody was like community spread and, and check our motion so they could track down exactly who everybody touched, and it was the most important fucking thing in the world. And now, ah, it doesn't matter. And then this was funny. So people were pointing out, like, especially on Twitter, it was like, oh, Joe Biden's reassuring the nation with this positive, saying, hey, we'll be back. You heard, you heard his clip. You heard the clip. He's like, yeah, we're, we're good. We're going to fight on, blah, 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 blah. 
Well, remember Trump's tweet when he tested positive for coronavirus? By the way, at that time, it was his most shared tweet ever. And uh, it, 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 I'm looking at an old article. At the time, before he was banned, it had over 834,000 likes. That was Trump's most high, liked tweet that he had before he was banned. Anyway, he tweeted the following, Trump. Quote, tonight... At Flotus and I tested positive for COVID-19. We will begin our quarantine and the recovery process immediately. We will get through this together! All caps, exclamation point, right? So that tweet sent the fucking media into a frenzy. Because they were like, how dare you? How dare you tweet positivity? I have a super cut, which I thought you'd enjoy. Let's play it. Trump wrote on Twitter... Don't be afraid of COVID. Don't let it dominate your life. This is the other one. Almost 210,000 Americans are dead. Speaking of outrageous, uh, this outrageous tweet. Oh, my goodness, Nicole. When I saw that Trump, I mean, I I literally was overwhelmed. And now we see this tweet, which is heartless. It is uh, cruel jake this is this is so disrespectful i'm not even sure i can i can speak about this it's incredibly uh, incredibly disrespectful what does that mean don't be afraid of it i mean first of all it's it's a contagious disease that kills people there's nowhere to even begin it's gross it's such a distressing moment it's just so horrible so so destructive to say i feel better than i have in 20 years that he's saying this is so disrespectful it's the super disrespectful it's no deal I mean, it's outrageous. It is insulting uh, to the people who have lost loved ones. It is insulting to every American who wears a mask. I mean, it's disgraceful. (laughs) It's absurd. Don't tell your supporters, don't be afraid of COVID. Everyone should be afraid of COVID. No, we're not. It's okay to be afraid of COVID. And it's okay that that it's dominating your life because... it has dominated your life. Oh, that's hilarious. So that last dope was Jake Tapper, stupid Jake Tapper. Remember Jake Tapper caught a bunch of shit because right during the height of COVID, he placed that photo, the group photo at CNN, and nobody's wearing a mask and all that shit. And Yeah. So saying don't be afraid and don't let it run your life is uh, provoked mass media hysteria. But uh, Joe Biden says, hey, you know, we're going to do it. We're going to get through this and be positive about it. Then that's uh, everybody's like, oh, that's, that's so wonderful. He, isn't he just... He's just a wonderful man, just a wonderful guy. So, anyway, I got a few other uh, political clips. I might as well play them now. Um, what's this one? Well, there was more of Pete Boot Edge Edge from that same interview with that same guy, and here is uh, here he is uh, rambling on about climate change. Here we when go. wind and solar won't power the homes in Europe. How do we not use hydrocarbons to make sure that near term these people aren't either freezing or dying from the heat? Oh. It, it seems like a real quandary at this. Oh, hang on, guys. Sorry about that. To I wonder if this is these, the same one. To near term try to do these things when near term we need power, we need energy. So how do you? De- well, I will say, how do you declare a climate crisis in the middle of an actual weather crisis? Well, look, uh, obviously, those, those two things are closely related. I mean, it's uh, more than 100 degrees in London today, or at least it was yesterday. Uh, we've seen things happen in the Pacific Norwe- Northwest in the U.S. that are supposed to be basically all but statistically impossible, and they're happening more and more often. But this is what a transition looks like, right? This is exactly the challenge that we're living through. You can't flip a switch. You can't do it overnight. And you mentioned Europe. Uh, you know, one of the things I saw during a, a visit to the Netherlands recently uh, is how even 
even in that extremely forward-leaning and green country, uh, if you go to their, their port, uh, you, you see windmills, you see a lot of clean energy infrastructure. You also see miles and miles of petroleum-related infrastructure. Which does most of the part work. Part of their energy mix, part of their economy, and will be for some time. Nobody thinks that you can uh, make this change overnight, but also I think there's a clear <laughs> understanding that when it comes to the climate, we're running out of time. Uh, the, the science they is said that 30, 50 years in terms ago. of the uh, level of threat, in terms of the lives and livelihoods uh, that America and the world stand to lose if we don't accelerate our action. And I don't think we should be following the lead of India and China. I think uh, countries like India and China should be challenged to but follow the, the lead but, but of the, the United States. They're not States going to. The set in, Mr. Secretary. The, the realities may set Okay, and that's when, it, that's when the clip from before continues. I'm glad to see he at least acknowledged we can't flip a switch, but that's why, in the meantime, you should be extracting fossil fuels. I don't fucking get that guy. What else do I have? I have one from Kamala Harris. Let's listen to this uh, spiel at some So meeting. when I think about what we need to do to address mayor, um, what ultimately does so often fall on the shoulders of our mayors to address huh? on a community level, um, we need to take action at the federal level. Okay, very so good. Uh, she's, she, oh, I think she was at the mayor's conference. <laughs> I don't even know what she's talking about there. Uh, and then, oh, this one is floating around, too. You guys know Biden Assistant Secretary for Health, Admiral Rachel Levine? Yes, uh, the transgender woman who likes to wear her fake military uniform in public. Uh, here she is talking about kids and genital reassignment surgery. We really want to, 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 to base our treatment and, uh, and to uh, affirm and to uh, support and empower these youth, not to limit their participation in activities and sports, and even uh, uh, limit their ability to get gender affirmation treatment in their state. Gender so affirmation treatment. So she wants kids to get the hormones and the operations and everything else. Oh, and then let me finish with this. Trump had a rally. This is in Arizona. Um, here he is teasing a possible run. Here we go. Let's listen to this one. Uh, that, that was the shorter one, my bad. He was saying in that one, we may have to do it again. But luckily, I have other clips from that rally. First of all, the, uh, the Trump fans in the crowd brought out the old classic which old classic? Let's listen to this. If we're suffering this badly after not even two years of Biden-Harris, imagine how bad things would be if we were right now in year six of a Hillary Clinton regime. Whoa. Whoa. Lock her up. Lock her up. <laughs> <laughs> That'll never get old. That's Blake Masters, by the way, the uh, Senate candidate for Arizona. Uh, let me see here. Uh, we got a few others. Oh, here he is. here's Trump talking about the uh, illegal immigrants. You're very, hey, Joe, you're very popular, Joe. Joe Arpaio. What were those nice days? You had Sheriff Joe, and you had no problems with illegal immigrants pouring into your living room. <laughs> not, Poor, but he's fair. He's fair. Pouring into your living room. Uh, let me see here. What else do we have? 
Oh, here he is. The, the Christmas. He loves the culture war stuff. We're going to save Christmas. Merry Christmas. We saved Merry Christmas, didn't we? The department store said, don't buy if they don't have Merry Christmas. They were told it's not good. They want to get rid of Christopher Columbus, but more importantly, Merry Christmas. But they say Merry Christmas again, don't they, right? A whole different thing. <laughs> oh, man. I love how he just goes to the hits. Let me see here. Um, here he is talking about um, how persecuted he's been. And let's listen to this one. What people have ever seen before. A friend of mine recently said that I was the most persecuted person in the history of our country. And I said, that's a strong statement. But then I thought about it and I felt, you know, he may very well be right. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Donald. Um, do I have any other good ones? I'm just scrolling because one guy put together a bunch of them. Uh, here he is praising the Secret Service, who's in a little bit of a trouble. He actually admitted it. Oh, good. Now we can have a reason. They want to damage me in any form so I can no longer represent you. They will damage me in any form they can. I watched this hoax last night where a young lady said, oh, I'm so heartbroken. But three weeks after January 6th, she wrote us a letter saying, oh, I loved working for the president. He's so great. I guess she put out a tweet. Now it would be a truth, hopefully. But she put out something. Oh, it was such a great honor to serve our president. And then all of a sudden she's out there. This is long after the January 6th. Or the other one where she goes out and she said that it's just not my deal. I love Secret Service. They're great. They're incredible people. They're brave people. They're strong, powerful, smart, brilliant. All right. Very good. And speaking of all the January 6th thing, I guess I might as well smoothly go into that since uh, we were just talking about it. And if I can just pull it up, here we go. Uh, yes, we did have a prime time hearing this this time, another one at night. They're really trying to get you to care hard about this. And that's why they're going to now extend this all the way up until election season. That's right. That's right. Basically, the goal here is to get Trump in jail. That's what these people live for. I've told you a bazillion times. Um, so uh, let's see. I've got a tab here about five takeaways. This was the eighth hearing of the January 6th committee. Uh, they documented on how over 187 minutes Trump remained in the small dining room off the Oval Office watching the violence on television and rebuffing pleas by aides, congressional Republicans, and family members to call off the mob even as he continued to call senators in hopes of convincing them to stop the certification of his Electoral College defeat. He was urged by members of Congress, aides, and even his own daughter, Ivanka. Uh, so they had, like, text messages and audio obtained showing that the protesters massing at the Capitol were paying close attention to Trump's words. Um, so, let me see here. Trump never made a single call to law enforcement or the Pentagon. Um, General Milley, remember White Rage Milley? General Mark Milley, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, expressed dismay with Trump's response in his interview with the committee. And he, was, he claimed he told Trump, uh, you're the commander-in-chief. You've got an assault going on in the capital of the United States of America, and there's nothing, zero. Additionally, men, members of Mike Pence's Secret Service detail feared for their lives. Testimony from a White House security official 
who had access to what Secret Service agents in the Capitol protecting Vice President Pence were saying to each other over their radio showed how agents feared for their lives as protesters drew near. He says there was a lot of very personal radio calls, and it was disturbing. He doesn't like talking about it, but, quote, there were calls to say goodbye to family members, so on and so forth. It was getting, for whatever the reason was on the ground, the VP detail thought that this was about to get very ugly, end quote. Okay, yeah, but these guys all had guns. <laughs> like, I don't know. Were they, they were in fear for their lives. They were all armed. The protesters, uh, almost all, were did not have any firearms. Uh, so even the next, and then even the next day, Trump would not say the election was over. So now the Homeland Security Inspector General is launching a criminal probe into these Secret Service texts that have somehow gone missing. Uh, then, then yes, it is a criminal probe. The January 6th Select Committee subpoenaed the Secret Service for agents' texts from around the day of the Capitol riot. Agents, the agency claimed that the texts were deleted as part of a device replacement program. So who knows where that will go. And then there was the outtakes of Trump making the famous speech. So there was a... Remember the video that was filmed the day after the riot? And Trump came out and said, like, blah, everybody calm down, go home, blah, blah, blah. Well, here he is. They, they got outtakes of Trump, and he kept uh, stopping and starting. So here are some of the outtakes. i got a little compilation here. Let's listen to this. There's not. He's about to start here. I would like to begin by addressing the heinous attack yesterday. And to those who broke the law, you will pay. You do not represent our movement. You do not represent our country. And if you broke the law, you can't say that. I'm not gonna, you, I already said you will pay. The demonstrators <laughs> who infiltrated the Capitol have defied the seat of dust. It's defiled, right? See, I can't see it very well. Okay, I'll, I'll do this. I'm going to do this. Let's go. But this election is now over. Congress has certified the results. I don't want to say the election's over. I just want to say Congress has certified the results without saying the election's over, okay? Congress is certain. Now Congress is certain. Yeah, right. Now Congress is I didn't say over, so let, let me see. Don't go to the paragraph before. Okay? I would like to begin by addressing the heinous attack yesterday. Yesterday is a hard word for me. Ah, uh, good. Take the word yesterday, because it doesn't work with the heinous attack on our country. Say on our country. Want to say that? No, 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 no. My only goal was to ensure the integrity of the vote. My only goal was to ensure the integrity of the vote. Okay. That other vo that female voice, by the way, was uh, Ivanka Trump helping coach him. Uh, so then... Related also, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, guys, but this is like some of the more, more important stuff. Steve Bannon, the former aide to Donald Trump, was found guilty of contempt in case related to Capitol riot inquiry. Yeah, he decided not to testify to the January 6th committee, so they found him in contempt of Congress, and he was convicted. And this was a jury verdict in D.C., so you can imagine, reached after less than three hours of deliberations, 
Steve Bannon, 68 years old, remained defiant in remarks outside the courthouse. He could be sentenced from anywhere from 30 days to one year in prison for this. And and people immediately pointed out, because everybody was like, well, this is the rule of law. Well, people with their short memories forgot all about former Attorney General Eric Holder, who, under Obama, became the first sitting member of a president's cabinet in U.S. history to be held in contempt of Congress after Republicans got pissed off about that bungled Fast and Furious gun-running operation. Remember, that was, the, that was the operation where the Obama administration deliberately sold a bunch of Mexican cartel guys high-powered weapons and then wanted to track them to track the cartels. Like, those fucking morons could track Mexican cartels inside Mexico or something. And then, remember, one of the weapons was later used and identified as the one used to murder Border Patrol agent Brian Terry. Guys, that's not even in front of me. That's just in the steel trap mind. You're welcome. But yeah, they carried out a criminal contempt resolution against Holder, and it passed 255 to 67. Most of the Democrat representatives walked out of the chamber en masse before the vote. That's why it was only 255 to 67. So there's like 100 or so missing from that. You believe that? So they walked out. And... He was found guilty. I'm sorry. He, he was found. He was held in contempt of Congress. The big question is, he was never indicted for that, as Steve Bannon was. So everybody's like, well, what, what happened with that? And then fucking Holder went out on the steps and delivered an angry statement. Said it was absurd. A conspiracy theory, he called. And uh, Democrats in Congress at the time accused the Republican group in the House of Re- engaging in political histrionics. So, so there you go. I know none of you kids listening remember that. That's what they used to do. Yeah, they, they were like, yeah, we're going to walk out rather than even vote for you to hold our, our guy in contempt. Um, yes, very good. Is that it? For the love of God. Yes, it is. Okay, very good. Okay, let's keep going, guys. And uh, here's a new one. You guys know we often talk about people pleasuring themselves in public. Here's a twist. Woman, 54, exposed her breasts and pleasured herself in broad daylight. <laughs> this, is, this is over in Northwich, the UK. Beverly Dean was spotted performing the sex act on herself. The eyewitnesses saw her touch her genitals under her skirt as she sat on the riverbank. Oh, that sounds peaceful. Yeah, she then stood up from the bench and exposed her breast through her unbuttoned blouse. When police were called to the scene, officers discovered sex toys and lubricant in her handbag. Wow, very hot. (laughs) Yeah, even the chicks are doing it now. Very good. All right. Uh, What else do I got? Uh, let's go. I'm skipping around guys. Cause I'm already running out of time. I spent way more, way too much time on a lot of stuff. Let's quickly go to some border news. I got one after another here. Supreme court refuses for now to restore Biden plan on immigration enforcement. Yes. This is the one I told you about this hands, Texas and Louisiana temporary victory. And, um, basically this was, <clears throat> setting priorities for deciding which immigrants should be arrested and deported. And this was an effort to roll back the broad immigration arrest policies of the Trump administration. The libs didn't like the Trump basically said sensibly, in my opinion, 
hey, if you're in this country illegally, you're subject to deportation at any time. And they don't want to do that because they don't want to deport anybody. So they only want to deport like the most heinous, heinous criminals. And a guy driving drunk or killing people, that doesn't even apply. You know, he could be a rapist. They'd probably let him go. So the Biden administration wanted to prioritize and let everybody else off the hook. And a judge said, well, no, you can't do that. So I guess you'll have to pass a law as it should be. And meanwhile, the United States has shattered the record for border stops in one single year. In the 20-year history of the Department of Homeland Security, with three months to go, by the way, the U.S. has recorded more stops along the Mexican border than in any other year. There has been a total of 1,746,119 stops along the southern border since October 1st. That is the most the agency has recorded for any fiscal year since 1960. And that was despite a 14% drop in June from May's record hide. Nationwide, border officials have encountered more than 2 million migrants since October 1st, 2021. And nobody cares. <laughs> Fewer than half of those encountered in June, which, by the way, that number was 207,000. Fewer than half were expelled under Title 42. That was the pandemic order. And the rest of them, presumably, were allowed into the country, given a fucking uh, date to show up, and released. So yes, millions. Millions and millions. The Daily Caller did a story about this. And uh, the migrants know all about it. One Colombian said about Biden, quote, First of all, he does not separate families. Second, one can wait less, when before it was six months. Now it goes by faster to wait under asylum, end quote. See, the asi they all know they use the word asylum. Yeah, Sonia, another guy said, uh, oh, the same woman said, quote, about Biden, he's giving us immigration opportunities. He's not selfish like President Trump, <laughs> end quote. Okay, yeah. Uh, and then just some small stories again, because this is the only place you guys are going to hear these stories. Uh, Fox had a story, a liberal group has landed a $171 million government contract that could help reach a billion dollars to help illegal immigrants do what? Avoid deportation. This is the Vera Institute of Justice, and they got this contract. And uh, yeah, guess what it's going to do? It's going to uh, provide legal assistance to unaccompanied minors and other illegal aliens. Isn't that awesome? That was a health and human services contract, by the way. The arrangement lasts until March of 2023, but if it's renewed, it could reach high as a billion dollars. This appears to be the largest federal contract Vera has secured for immigration-related services for any single year dating back to the mid-2000s. Told you it's a fucking... Your tax money is going to pay for uh, illegal immigrant lawyers. It's awesome. And what else on the immigration beat? Uh, making it back into the United States after being deported is now irrelevant to an illegal immigrant's ability to apply for new legal status. That's according to Homeland Security's U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services in a new policy. Isn't that awesome? So previously, the UCIS would have denied the application under a law that required one-time illegal immigrants to wait outside the country for up to 10 years before they would be eligible to come back legally. Well, now... 
The law does not require a wait elsewhere as long as the illegal immigrant doesn't pop up on Homeland Security's radar. Yeah, isn't that great? So do you think that's a reward for bad behavior? Yeah, it is. And as it, that, they said that's a law in the article. So would not that, would that not require another law to undo? And then the Biden administration is basically erasing the immigration court caseload. Federal prosecutors are quietly dismissing stacks of cases against illegal immigrants under a Biden administration mandate that could be on pace to effectively pardon one million people by 2024. Attorneys for U.S. Immigrations and Customs Enforcement have begun to throw out tens of thousands of the two million backlog cases in immigration court following a political appointee's order not to go after illegal border crossers from before November of 2020 election. That's according to the Washington Examiner, who has obtained leaked video recordings of virtual meetings that Kerry Doyle, ICE's principal legal advisor, held with the more than 1,200 ICE prosecutors who bring cases against illegal immigrants nationwide, in which she explained in detail who should not be targeted for deportation. Unfucking believable. And then this was amusing. Two blue city mayors are objecting to all the illegal immigrants, Im- illegal immigrants coming to their cities. That would be D.C. Mayor, uh, Mayor Bowser, and New York City Mayor Eric Adams said, Hey, this isn't fair. <laughs> this was supposed to be a Southwest problem. We never gave a crap about any of this, but now that it's affecting us, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, we didn't sign up on this. This is a burden. Here's uh, New York City Mayor Adams. This is a real burden on New Yorkers as we're trying to do the right thing. Uh, we already, as I stated, we already have an overburdened shelter system. So now we're talking about, as you stated, food, clothing, school. This is going to impact our uh, our schools because we do not turn away individuals because they're undocumented. Uh, translation services. There's just a whole host of things that this is going to produce, and that's why we need we need help. And getting this done, and we need to write coordination to make it happen. Okay, so you remember, guys, it wasn't a problem when fucking thousands of illegal immigrants were overwhelming small towns along the border of thousands of people. But now that thousands of illegal immigrants are infiltrating a city of 8 million people, now it's a huge fucking crisis. Yeah, funny how that works. Here's uh, the mayor of D.C. talking about this. Uh, here on Facing the, the uh, Washington Post reported last week that homeless shelters in D.C. were filling up um, and groups were getting overwhelmed by these buses that the governors of Texas and, and Arizona are sending here full of migrants. How significant <laughs> is this influx? How many people? Well, this is a very significant issue. Uh, we have for sure called on the federal government uh, to work across state lines to prevent um, people from really being tricked uh, into getting on buses. Uh, uh, we, we think they're largely asylum seekers Large, um, who are going God. to final destinations that are not Washington, D.C. Uh, I worked uh, with the White House to make sure that FEMA provided a grant to a local organization um, that is providing services to folks. Okay, shut up. Um, uh, so she thinks they're tricked. Boy, we, wouldn't it be awesome if the reporter jumped in and says what makes you think they're all asylum seekers of course she didn't do that and then uh just quickly on to wrap that part up uh remember those california drug traffickers that massive fentanyl bust and then the judge sparked outrage by the sheriff when he just fucking let them go uh by the way and and didn't 
put any cash bail on them. Those are the guys busted with 150,000 fentanyl pills. Those are defendants Jose Zendejas, 25 years old, and Benito Madrigal, 19 years old. They were released on their own recognizance less than 24 hours after their arrests, without bail, by the way. And, well, guess what happened? They were scheduled to appear for their arraignment on Thursday morning. Both men failed to show up. <laughs> uh, who is this judge? Who are these people? Kills me, dude. Uh, what else? This is political, I guess. Gavin Newsom, the governor. Yep. Your future president. He has now signed a bill, uh, basically, that allow California residents to sign gun manufacturers. Yes. That's right. He's also co-opted a Texas anti-abortion tactic to enforce California bans on assault weapons and ghost guns. Senate Bill 1327 aims to deal with those who deal in banned guns in litigation. Awards of at least $10,000 per weapon and legal fees will be offered to plaintiffs who successfully sue anyone who imports, distributes, manufactures, or sells assault-style weapons, 50 caliber rifles, guns without serial numbers, or parts that can be used to build firearms that are bound in, uh, banned in California. Yes, in other words, taking action after the uh, Texas abortion law. Yeah, and he's definitely going after gun manufacturers. He's trying that as well. As I told you last week, he's going to try to sue. If you're a victim of gun violence, you can sue the gun maker, even though the gun presumably worked as intended. One of you guys sent me this one right away. North Carolina's entire police department, four cops and a chief, quit on the same day over a, quote, hostile, end quote, African-American town manager who was fired from her last job for gender and racial discrimination. This is the town of Kenley, North Carolina. I mean, it's a tiny place. It's home to about 2,000 people. And the basically all of them just quit. And they were joined by two town clerks who also accused the new manager of uh, racial discrimination. Apparently, this is a quite progressive African-American woman named Justine Jones. She was hired last month, nearly eight years after her previous firing. Yeah, one guy put out a quote. Oh, this is the Kenley police chief, Josh Gibson. He wrote on Twitter, quote, I have put in my two weeks notice along with the whole police department after 21 years of service. The new manager has created an environment. I do not feel we can perform our duties and services to the community. I do not know what is next for me, end quote. So I'm just assuming that she's one of these far leftists who doesn't want to arrest anybody and doesn't want to put anybody in jail. Is that what I'm, does the story go into this? Um... Yeah, doesn't really say, so I just have to imagine that these guys saw the writing on the wall and said, screw this. Uh, two alligators have fatally attacked a Florida woman after she fell into a pond. 80 years old, dude. Englewood, Florida. And this chick was eaten on Friday night. 
Fatal alligator attacks are rare in the U.S., typically occurring about once a year, but the latest one was at least the third in the U.S. since May. You guys remember these ones? The body of a man who had been retrieving a frisbee from a lake was found. And then in June, a guy was killed after being dragged into a retention pond by an alligator in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. The frisbee guy was in Lake uh, Largo, Florida. This time, the victim was Rosemarie Wiegand. And... She did pass away. The Florida Fish and Wildlife Commission sent a trapper who removed two alligators from the pond and euthanized them both. One alligator was 8 feet 10 inches long, and the other married, uh, measured 7 feet 7 inches long. Damn, dude. Last year, nine people in Florida were bitten by alligators and unprovoked attacks. Yeah, dude, if I lived, if I visit Florida, I'm not going within 10 feet of any of these ponds. <laughs> like, you don't know what the hell is in that. Speaking of bad animals, monkeys in India tossed a boy off a third-story rooftop, killing him. Yeah, a whole troop of them. They stole a baby from his father, who's named Nirdesh Apadhyay, 25 years old. He and his wife were on the rooftop with their four-month son, four-month-old son, several monkeys attacked them. The wife managed to escape the monkeys, but the troop cornered him. He tried to run off, but dropped his son as he did, leaving one of the animals to scoop up the boy and tossed him off the rooftop. The boy is said to have died instantly. And by the way, some of the father's relatives kind of came up on the roof and then the monkey started attacking all of them too. <laughs> Jeez. Damn, dude. Wow. Okay. What else? Um, oh, this one is good. A Mississippi police chief has been fired after bragging about killing 13 people and making racial and homophobic slurs on a secret recording made by a black colleague. Sam Dobbins was fired as police chief of Lexington, Mississippi, after he was heard using the slurs, and he was recorded by Robert Lee Hooker, a former black, I'm sorry, for, a black former officer. Uh, and so I have the, here's what's funny. Dobbins is saying he was unaware of the recording and denied using the slurs. Well, there is audio, and I'm going to go ahead and play it, and let's listen to Sam Dobbins here. Okay. So you heard him drop the N-word a few times, so he has been now fired. Uh, let's see. 80-year-old Michigan man 
previously convicted of multiple sexual crimes against children, was arrested again on Sunday after what? He allegedly exposed his genitals to juveniles. Children. Children said some old guy showing us his dick. And police arrested William David Harris. That's right, 80 years old. Again, I'll ask, what are you going to do with that guy? You think he's going to stop anytime soon? No. You just have to lock him up for life. Okay, do you remember... God, this is a throwback, because we don't forget here on World News with BK. You guys know I follow up on stuff. Do you guys remember the couple that made up that fake story about the homeless veteran who gave them his last $20 for gas? So then they set up a GoFundMe for him and raised $400,000 on it. Do you guys ring a bell? Yeah. And then it turned out they made up the whole thing. Well, now 32-year-old Caitlin McClure has been sentenced to one year in prison. Yep, she will also serve three years of supervised release and must pay restitution for the money. McClure and her boyfriend, Mark D'Amico, came up with the plot in 2019 where they claimed the homeless guy, Johnny Bobbitt, gave her his last $20 when she ran out of gas in the middle of the night. In reality, the trio had actually met a month earlier at a casino in Philadelphia. So together they got together with this plan, and 14,000 people donated approximately $400,000 on GoFundMe. <laughs> and then it blew up when Bobbitt, who was a bum, by the way, he sued the couple, claiming the couple only shared about $75,000 with him, and they kept the rest and blew the cash on a BMW, casino trips, everything else. There's not one single dollar left. D'Amico, uh, the boyfriend, he accepted a plea deal in 2019. He's facing five years behind bars. Bobbitt, the homeless vagrant, has been ordered to enter a drug rehabilitation program. And maybe you guys should stop fucking putting the... I know you want to get the likes on Instagram. Stop putting up every GoFundMe you see. Half of them are bullshit. Mortgage applications have plunged to a 22-year low as interest rates doubled. Home sales dropped 14% from a year ago. Yet, prices hit a record high because there are still too few houses to meet the demand. Yeah, like at a practice, your payment has not changed because even though some prices have come down, the mortgage rates have doubled, so you're still screwed. Uh, did you guys see Alejandro Ocasio-Cortez uh, fake arrested outside the Supreme Court during the Roe versus Wade protest? That was hilarious. Yeah, she was keeping her arms behind her, like faking wearing handcuffs, but then the moron forgot and like raised her fists to protesters. And it was funny because then she came out and tried to say like, no, cops always want you to keep your hands behind your back. And, and, and all the cops chimed in. It's like, hey, cop here. No, we don't want you to keep your hands behind your back unless we tell you to and put you in cuffs because we want to see your hands, dummy. So she tried to squeal out of that one. Everything's fake, you guys. Um, Let me see here. Oh, guys, what's okay? Quick top three favorite topics. Come on. Would you guess fake hate crime? Of course you would. How about this? A Swiss court has found a 20-year-old man guilty of inventing a hate crime after the man had falsely claimed to have been attacked but actually carved a swastika into his own face. The 28-year-old mixed-race man had claimed to have been attacked by a group of German-speaking individuals who approached him in the city of Neukatel, 
pushed him to the ground, beat him, and carved a swastika in the side of his cheek and made monkey noises towards him in an apparent hate crime. The man posted a picture of the alleged attack along with his story. And police promptly took it very seriously and uh, investigated it. Well, the investigators found there had been no attack. He was a French national living in Switzerland and that the man had invented the whole thing. And he had carved the swastika into his own cheek. The investigators know that the carving had been done before the alleged attack reportedly took place. They charged him and he was found guilty of a false criminal report and the court imposed a fine of 30 Swiss francs. But he'll also have to pay 200 Swiss francs to the court. That's like $206 US. So the fine is, okay, if it's 200 Swiss francs, 30 Swiss francs is like, excuse me, a little over 10% of that, which would be a little over 20 bucks. That was the fine. Fucking ridiculous. He should be executed. (laughs) Just get rid of him. Uh, The New Jersey transgender prisoner who impregnated two inmates has been transferred to a men's facility. That's 27-year-old Demi Minor. Yep, you knew this was coming. They've, it's not the first time I've done this, and it certainly won't be the last. Demi Minor 27 has been moved out. Um, and yes, Minor is serving a 30-year prison sentence for manslaughter. Uh, he, because he doesn't get pronouns, impregnated the fellow inmates earlier this year following consensual sexual relationships. And he successfully impregnated two prisoners. And that's just going to keep going on and on. How about this one? My cops out there. A Florida Highway Patrol captain, that's right, state police, has been arrested on child pornography charges. A fucking captain. Christopher Chappell, 45 years old, appeared in federal court as he faces a charge of access with intent to view child pornography. He has pleaded not guilty. But he remains in custody. They think, the federal government thinks he might be a flight risk. An indictment which was obtained by the local news accuses Chapel while using the aliases, quote, Fujikura 76, end quote, and, quote, Santa Claus, end quote, of accessing a pornographic image containing a prepubescent child and a child under 12 with an intent to view it. He faces up to 20 years in prison because the government accuses him of having access and intent. Hmm. Prosecutors are arguing it was Chapel's training which made him better able to avoid detection. Oh, sounds like uh, Chapel was LGBT. Federal prosecutors expressed concern that Chapel was a flight risk, a term used to describe someone who's likely to flee the area. They said their concerns were based on his partner being a wealthy man who owns several homes across the country. Hmm. This fucking guy made it to captain in the state police. Unreal, man. Let's see here. Oh, there's a UFC fight tonight, you guys. I'm very excited. Out of London, uh, Patty Pimblett a.k.a. Patty the Batty is fighting. He has promised to teabag his opponent Jordan Levitt 
if he is victorious. Let's listen. That's, so that's exciting. Do what, what do you think he's coming from with this? Is he just trying to get in your head? Is yeah, he trying he's just to trying to get in my head, being a little weirdo like he is, but no one can out-weird me. I'm weirder than anyone. Is there a chance you twerk over him if he gets I'm going to teabag him, lad. I'm going to teabag him like it's Modern Warfare 2. For the uh, unin uninitiated at home, what is teabagging? I'm going to squat as close to his head as I possibly can without the ref shouting at me. Okay. Just squat up and down like I'm on Modern Warfare 2, lad. Thank you for clarifying that. Okay. In case you guys didn't know, he's from Liverpool. Home of the Beatles. Yeah, it's like a fucking Liverpool-ass accent right there. All right, guys. How much fucking time do I have? Um, I do. There's one in particular I want to get to if I can just find it. Oh, by the way, I should point out. Remember the incest allegations against Ricky Martin, the singer? Living La Vida Loca? They have been dropped in a Puerto Rico court. So thankfully, you can all enjoy, continue to enjoy, I should say, celebrating Ricky Martin's entire catalog. I know many of you do. Uh, and uh, the singer's brother, Eric Martin, of course, defending his brother, said in a Facebook Live video that their nephew has mental problems and there was never any truth to it and it was all bullshit. So that's good because uh, kind of like Ricky Martin... I uh, have many of his hits on vinyl, and I often find myself sambaing and sashaying across the floor of my kitchen, listening to the hit after hit after hit. A bride has been shot dead at her wedding in Iran during celebratory gunfire when, when a stray bullet from a rifle hits her in the head. Good job, guys. 24-year-old 20, Mavash Legai was killed on her own wedding day. One of the guests, believed to be the groom's cousin, fired a high-powered hunting rifle. It shot her right through the head, and it hit two other guests, by the way, who have since recovered. <laughs> That's a fucking idiot. Dude, I remember being over in Iraq at the embassy in Baghdad when, like, it was like 10 years ago. Gunfire happened all the time. It was constant. But I remember one time in particular, they actually warned us ahead of time because, like, Iraq had made the finals or something to the Arab Soccer Cup. It's a huge fucking deal over there. And I don't know if they won it or they just reached the final, something like that. It was like something they had never done before. But they said, hey, guys, watch out for fucking gunfire tonight. And that night, no shit. It wasn't just sporadic, the pop-up. There was like fucking belt feds going off like all over the city. You can see the tracer rounds everywhere. Dishka's popping off fucking just going at it like loud. Some of it was like right outside the gate. And we were just like, you could hear, and we had like these uh, aluminum covers over the hooches, and you could just hear the like, tink, 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 as the, the patter, as the rounds were coming back down from the sky, hitting our overhead protection. Fuck, I wonder how many, still to this day, I wonder how many people were murdered that night. <laughs> it's just fucking crazy. All right. How many more do I have for you? I still can't find the one that I really wanted to get to. Um, But... I will say that lightning killed a soldier and injured nine others at a Georgia Army base. That was shitty. Yeah, it happened at 11 a.m. There were isolated but strong thunderstorms in the area, and one soldier was killed and nine others injured at that Fort Gordon Army base in Georgia. Uh, quickly, the three shot the Iowa Park suspect killed himself. A couple and their six-year-old daughter were found fatally shot at a campground at... Maquoketa Caves State Park. 
The suspect, a 23-year-old incel, was later found dead from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Wow. Um, they do not believe there was a relationship between the victims and the shooter, Anthony Orlando Sherwin, 23 years old. So fucking completely random? Oh, that's fucking nuts. And speaking of shooting, yes, you guys, I saw all the crazy stories about the Indiana Mall shooting. That was fucking remarkable. I mean, it really was. The fucking Good Samaritan guy named Jonathan, I'm sorry, the Good Samaritan was Elijah Dickin. He's 22 years old. He was shopping at the mall with his girlfriend when 20-year-old Jonathan Sapirman, also an incel, tried to shoot up the mall. He has Dickon had no police or military training, but the cops say within 15 seconds of the shooting starting, Dickon shot this guy from a distance of 40 meters, sent 10 rounds, 8 rounds landed on the target, and this was all under 15 seconds. That's fucking impressive, dude. Like, put aside just the ability to actually react in a time of crisis. Cause you know, even when shit goes down, like huge explosions or something, you know, we all like freeze for a second, right? Like what the fuck? So this guy within 15 seconds pulls his fucking gun and hits, gets eight out of 10 hits on a guy moving around holding a long gun with a Glock, a handgun. That's fucking very impressive. A lot of people would be hard pressed to shoot a steel target, a man sized steel target at 40 meters and get eight out of 10 hits on that. So, good on him. Uh, you should open up your own shooting school or something, man. I bet you get mad fucking clientele after that. I mean, not many people have that resume. So, good on him. Could have been a lot worse. Uh, let's see. A couple road rage stories. A dad was shot dead in a road rage attack after splashing windshield fluid on a passing BMW. This was in Oregon. He accidentally splashed David Dennis Anderson, 45, and his uh, girlfriend or something were traveling from the beach on the Oregon coast when they spotted a black BMW trying to pass them. Well, he decided to clean his windshield at that time, and some of the liquid may have landed on the BMW. So the BMW sped away, but a few miles later, they saw the same cars parked on the side of the road, then started following them again. And... The girl told him to pull over and call 911 for help. I don't know. Why the fuck would you pull over? Just call 911. Well, when they stopped, the driver of the BMW stopped parallel to them, opened fire, fucking shot the guy dead. <laughs> Do not pull over. And then, also another one. <clears throat> a man struck a family with his vehicle as they were walking inside a roadway. In Glacier National Park in Montana. And then fired at them with a shotgun, killing the man and his 18-month-old daughter. The gunman also critically injured two other members of the family. One of them fatally wounded him after he attacked her with a knife. Oh, so the chick brought the guy down. The victims were David Seow, 39 years old, his daughter, Mackenzie. They had been visiting the town of East Glacier Park in Montana's Rocky Mountains. That's fucking nuts, dude. Um, they identified the gunman as 37-year-old Derek Amos Madden. 
The sheriff's office did not give a motive for the attack. Oh, here we go. Mr. Madden had previously been in a relationship with Christina Seow. She was one of the other members of the family injured. And that he had unspecified, quote, mental health issues, end quote. <laughs> These fucking psycho dudes, man. Uh, by his pop quiz, who is David Dorner? David Dorn, I'm sorry. You guys remember David Dorn? He was the retired police captain who was murdered during a 2020 night of violence in the aftermath of the George Floyd police murders in Missouri. Remember, he was um, investigating the break-in at the pawn shop? Well, the guy who fucking killed him was found guilty. Stephen Cannon was found guilty of killing David Dorn. Cannon, 26 years old, fired 10 shots at Dorn, 77 years old. He was convicted of first-degree murder. Good. Bye, shitbag. All right. Um, God, I'm already starting to run out of time. I have to quickly go on to this one. I know. I, was, I know. You guys could tell I'm stalling because I really wanted to get this one, and I have so many uh, tabs open that it's it's difficult to get through all of them, but reluctantly, I'll just have to skip it for now. Uh, a guy died at a weekend concert. You know, the artist, The Weeknd? 32-year-old paralegal. He died after falling 40 feet over an escalator rail he was sitting on at the opening night for the weekend's After Hours Till Dawn tour. Oh, that's not a good sign. <laughs> Bro. It's like happy music for the most part, isn't it? I like The Weeknd. Um... Let's see. I know I'm stalling here because I want to. You know, I'm just not going to be able to do it. I wanted to do the story on this government contractor who who hired the hired the prostitute into a fake position. Did you guys read about that? I'm just going off memory here. So, uh, some guy working at some like military base, he like hired a hooker because he wanted to bang the hooker at work. So he told the work, "Oh no, she's totally qualified for all the scientific shit." And so they hired her because they're dumb. And then the hooker starts blowing all the other guys on the base. And it was like a huge scandal because she then turned out she had no qualifications at all. It was really funny. I know I rarely do that when I know the story over for me, but it's so good. I guess I don't even think I have the tab open. I must have forgot to put it in here. Hmm. Or accidentally closed it out, more likely. All right. And I'm getting down to it, so I'll have to uh, quickly... Go to just a few other videos. Uh, gun control activist David Hogg had an outburst during a House Judiciary Committee on gun violence. Let's listen. The points of mass shooters in your manifesto. The shooter at my high school, anti-Semitic, anti-Black, and racist. The shooter in El Paso described it as an invasion. Guess what? Those guns are coming from the United States of America. They aren't coming from Mexico. They are not coming from Mexico. You are reiterating the points of a mass shooter, sir. Sir, you are perpetuating this violence. You need to realize this is not a house. A Democrat Republican, stop these things now. Okay. All right. That, that was the guy. Remember, he's the uh, big lib from Parkland. He survived the Parkland shooting. I'm sorry for him for that. But he's now a full-time far left-wing activist. Uh, Stephen King, the writer, was pranked by two Russians who tricked him into believing he was on a call with uh, President Volodymyr Zelensky. <laughs> Let's listen to this. People brother. who are really love Ukraine, yeah, they, it's not 
uh, it's not nuts. It's, it's Azov. They, of course, they love some uh, people like Bandera. It's uh, our national hero. So what do you think about Bandera? He was in the uh, Second World War and uh, he fought against uh, Soviet Union. Uh, but yeah, he had some crimes, but it's not uh, so big crimes. It's of course accidentally where uh, crimes against Jews, but you know, it's really important to keep him uh, opposed to Putin and his propaganda. Well, yes, I mean, there, there, there are always, you can always find things about people uh, to pull them down. Uh, there is Washington and Jefferson were slave owners. Uh, that doesn't mean that they didn't do many good things for the United States of America. Uh, there are always people who have uh, flaws. We're human. You know, there are things that uh, we do that are bad choices. And then there are things that we do uh, that are great choices. So, you know, on the whole... I think uh, Bandera is a great man, and you're a great man, and uh, viva Ukraine. Okay, so you're wondering who this Bandera character is. Well, they're referring to Stepan Bandera, who was the architect of the Ukrainian Holocaust. <laughs> he helped, he, this guy basically helped murder thousands and thousands of people. So they're saying, hey, you know, you can find anything about anybody. Big deal here. And then finally, you guys, I'm running out of time. It's hot as shit in here, and I have got to go to the big finish. And let's go to Malta. Yes, the uh, very beautiful country. A court in Malta has heard how a young female passenger was subjected to, I love this phrase, an unwanted act of sexual intimacy on a packed bus a few days ago, when the man standing beside her sexually pleasured himself and ejaculated on her. That's right. This is 36-year-old Mohammed Mahmoud Diri, a Somali construction worker who resides in Burkirkarja. Sorry, try it again. Burkirkara. He has been charged of committing a non-consensual sexual act on women, subjecting her to unwanted acts of physical intimacy and other unwelcoming sexual behaviors. This was a packed bus. The prosecutor said he performed these acts on a bus that was full of people that had been ferrying passengers from Valletta to the nightlife district of St. Julian's at around 10 p.m. Very good. So he just fucking came on this chick. So I'm guessing what happened. So he's, she's going to the nightlife district, 10 p.m., Saturday night. She's probably all dressed up, hoochied out. And then fucking Mohammed is probably coming home from work or something. Or maybe he's going out. And he sees this chick and is just fucking like, dude, worked up. He gets all fucking worked up. And he's like, you know what? I'll just fucking just do a little. She won't even notice. I'll just fucking choke it a little bit and boom. But the thing is, you know, if you're going to do that, Mohammed, you should probably just do it in your pants. You know, it's because when you pull it out, Mohammed, and you're fucking raining jizz on people, Mohammed, that's really when they're going to probably figure it out and see it. And that's when you're going to get in trouble. So, Mohammed is, 
He is in court. He pleaded guilty. Um, oh, he's released on bail. Good. They should they should keep him in prison for the rest of his life or deport him immediately. He will be sentenced in August. I'll try to keep a close eye on it. Guys, there goes the iPad. That's it. That's all I got. Remember, guys, try to contribute to the podcast. It's the only way I can keep it going. Go to patreon.com. Search for BK Actual. Thank you so much to my patrons. Guys, by the way, remember, at the beginning of this year, I set a lofty goal of having 600 patrons before the end of the year. I believe a couple days ago, it was at like 515. So it's not out of reach. I would love to hit 600 patrons. That would mean a lot to me. So go to patreon.com, search for BK Actual in the search bar, pledge a buck or two. All this entertainment you get, come on, you can't deny it. And then follow me on social media, guys, at BK Actual on Instagram, at Bravo Kilo on Twitter. Like I said, hit up my man, beginning Jake. Hit him up for some uh, grass-fed. You guys, it's uh, really important. We have to eat better shit. It's the way you stay jacked and tan. Obviously, one of my passions. So go hit him up as well. And, guys, that's all I got for you. See you next week. Nigga made one wrong move, jet popping. Living on broke with the whole flooded out in the hotel lobby. It's crowded. Diamonds be dancing like Bobby. They dance. Don't touch a dick like if you cocky. Don't touch. Shroom and GC departed. We geeky. Bitches gonna trend on the top. Keep trending. The way I pull up, I'm gonna pop it in.